Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Days. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. It's been uh, it's been a long time since we did this because we went to the every other week schedule, and then so if you miss one, it's just like it's been a while. Yeah, it has been three weeks since we last uh, sat down to record, and I I do feel unprepared. I was so sick and feverish last week; it would have been. Not like the normal kind where I have to watch a Barkley episode and I feel kind of bad, but yeah. like ha- I was, I had the uh, a bad cold. All right, that's it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for it. Also, uh, no one I'm not afraid to, to say it. <laughs> Thanks, Chicote. <clears throat> How things been? Uh, normal. Things have been normal. Okay. We've had a lot of family visits. Katie's brother was out a couple weeks ago. Saw our sister. We have a sister. Yep. There's a whole episode called that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, starting to get warmer, but it. Uh, we did have like a 20 minutes of rain yesterday morning. Oh, a June a rain. A very unusual June rain. Dang. Um, so yeah, it's been nice the last <clears> couple of days. It's about... About 75 was the high today. Has it been nice that uh, other places in the country are getting the apocalyptic smoke instead of the Bay Area? Uh, no, because I know it's going to happen again. Yeah, well, of course it'll, uh, it will maybe, come back. Maybe not this year. Everything's real wet. Yeah. So maybe we won't have a big wildfire season this year. But, you know, like, pff, it's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they've been showing all the pictures from, like, New York. And it's. I remember when it was uh, doomsday in, like, San Francisco. Wasn't that during the pandemic, too? Yeah. Pandemic was rough, man. Yeah, the first, I think the first two years of the pandemic, we had real bad wildfire seasons. And so it was just, everyone was in their homes, and it'd be two o'clock, and it's just orange. Yeah, everything about 2020 was the, the fucking worst. You could go out and look directly at the sun if you wanted to. It, it was, was safe. just like an orange disc right there. Yeah. Yeah, those were the you're right. Those were the good old days, actually. If you think about it from a certain perspective, like, uh huh. You you could stare at the sun then. You can't do that now. I wouldn't try it. it. Oh yeah, don't don't try it. Don't try it. But seriously, you got to at least squint if you're gonna do it. That's <sighs> the rules. I don't make the rules. That's the rules. Uh, we start with mailbag. Yeah, and then we get to the real the meat, the meat of the show. In the, uh, the podcast sandwich, which would Good. be the the Star Treks. This is just in case anyone was wondering what we do here. Anyone's oh. listening from Cambodia or whatever. Man, I don't got it today. Let's do them fucking mailbag. Yeah, we'll we'll find it though. Mailbag <laughs> by brother date. 
all the way back on May 19th, Ryan writes at Brother Date, hold on, are any of your listeners engaging via Mastodon yet? Um, well, you could be the first. That's right. It's an opportunity for you to be the first. <laughs> It'd be so crazy for Ryan to be on Mastodon. I mean, I know he loves social media, but like, you know, as a company man. The dude has five Instagrams, three of which are secret private Instagrams. It is weird that he's not on Mastodon. I mean, I guess he might be. He could be, because, again, who even knows how it works? Yeah. He could be on any one, he could be on 15 different servers. And no one would ever know. Um, I don't know, has Yerk said anything? Not to us. Nothing that indicates that he listens to this podcast. He hasn't yet sent me, you know, like a DM indicating that he's very disappointed in our bad attitude about Star Trek. Because <laughs> if he could just adjust his attitude a little bit, and he needs an attitude adjustment for sure, he would find so many great observations. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, all think of all the stuff we've missed that he definitely has seen oh, yeah. if it's about the next generation. Look, he could... He could uh, send us mail for the mailbag about a th- particular about those eagle statues we keep talking about. For example, well, where else hey. have those been? Hey, Eric, you did a whole big series on Ex Astra Ciencia, but I've got a credit there too because I corrected Burnt one time Good. about something he, he wrote about. Was it that orbits. his ideas were wrong? No, because he's got lots of bad ideas. He's like, well, everyone's always piling on the Nazis. It's not fair. Yeah, Whoa, everyone hey, Burnt, come on, buddy. <laughs> You don't want to put that on the internet. Uh, no, but I will say <laughs> this. Uh, every week when we're done with this, I close Twitter. I don't want that open. <laughs> I don't want to know what's going on on Twitter. No, right? I told you. That's why on mine, uh, the what's happening is in Korean. It's just <laughs> yes. practice reading uh, Hangul. That's it. I just read the there Korean, and then I go, all right, I didn't want interested in any of that stuff, and then I'm I'm good to go. I don't have to see any of whatever's actually trending in um Re- the real world. But because the only person um, that's active on Mastodon that the Brother Date account follows is Yerk, mm. I do just leave Mastodon open all the time. <laughs> just see the observations. Just see them so flood in. See, it's all, it's been that, scant oh, central lately. Oh, you thought there were no scants in Justice? Well, you <clears> were wrong. Diana Gittins Gittins in there Gittings. twice. <laughs> she's in every episode, it turns out. I wasn't really paying one. attention to Diana Giddings, but, but it turns out she's in all of the episodes. You know, I do believe that I named a ship after her in Star Trek Online. Okay. I should have looked this up before the podcast. I should have known we were going to talk about Diana Giddings. Yeah, I mean, really. Uh, we should just rename uh, the podcast the Diana Giddings Pod. Uh, yeah, she is a uh, she, her, she is the namesake of a Presidio-class tactical command battlecruiser. Oh, that sounds right. That sounds right. Oh, by yeah, the way, so. her, her character, by the way, I named Slim Doyle. Slim Doyle. She was Slim Doyle. <laughs> um, yeah. So it is like, uh, you know, it's uh, all the usual Yerk stuff, but um, it m- means that my Mastodon homepage is, uh, is quite delightful. Is UniWatch on Mastodon yet? I should oh, add that's them. That's a good question. Yeah. Follow them with the brother date account because I'm have, not setting up a personal one. You'll have all of the best observations. And you, that'll just be what you do. You just get the good observations about things. The things you care about most. I mean, that's the stuff I want to interact with, for sure. <clears throat> well, good. Sounds like Mastodon's working out for you, then. I uh, yeah. I still don't know how to use it. So, uh, but I'm I, on there. Either, either you signed up or I followed a stranger. No, no, no. I, I signed up. I just I don't know what to do with it now. 
Yep, that's the trouble. <laughs> that's the trubs. Uh, also in the 19th, Ryan writes, I'm not a psychologist. No shit. You well, don't get a win for that. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> you know what? I'm not either. I'm not a lot of things. Yeah. 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 Young. Strapped. Keep having to listen to all these all these K-pop songs in your brackets about How being young. young or having young blood. It's a popular or, brag, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just like, all right, I don't have a lot going on, but guess what? I am 19, 20 Korean age, bitch. And you're like, all right, I mean, that's a cool brag, I guess. Just try it in 10 uh, years, though, buddy. You're probably always going to be that age, right? <laughs> uh, uh, well, again, uh, nothing is more commercial than... Uh, than K-pop, which is the most commercial part of an extremely commercial society. So they're just like, what sells? I don't know, youth? F- fucking write it. Just write it over and over again. Just keep talking about how young they are. People are going to love this. <clears throat> People aren't going to be listening in headphones and uh, say out loud to nobody because their house is empty except for them. I get it. <laughs> You're young. You're not going to purposely not pick them in a K-pop bracket because they brag too much about being young. <laughs> yeah, that would be, uh, that wouldn't feel honest. Uh, also on the 20th, Ryan writes, So why doesn't everybody use resonance pulses instead of traditional Star Trek weapons? Uh, I mean, all we see the resonance pulse do is knock Voyager out of that fucking slipstream tunnel. Yeah, and, uh, maybe it's the kind of thing. That ain't a situation that has come up a lot. Yeah, maybe you could also use it to like knock someone out of warp or something. You know, it's yeah, hard we to don't say. really see that as a big part of ship to ship combat in Star Trek. Yeah, in fact, Asi- in fact, does any do any fights happen at warp? Not in uh, Encounter at Farpoint. I was gonna say only in TOS. In TOS, there's a, at least a few episodes where all of the fighting was happening at warp speed, and oh, it yeah. was kind of it didn't. None of it made any sense, really. They were just firing phasers and photon torpedoes at each other at warp speed. It was, yeah, it's pretty weird. Uh, also on the twentieth, thank you for clarifying. No, I didn't watch the episode. I just listened to you guys. Yeah, we know. Yeah, you shouldn't though. Yeah. So I mean, as long as you're going to be engaging with us, you're doing it the right way. The, I mean, the absolute wasted... right way to do it would be to not engage with us. But if you're going to, do not watch the episodes. You wasted three hours of your life listening to that last podcast. Can you imagine adding another three hours to watch those episodes? <laughs> be a bad. Are you going to live forever? That's right. Yeah, you got better things to do, Ryan. You're uh, very socially active, and that's the right thing to do. Uh, he says, "Okay, I'm sure it's going to be in your quick hitters, and I think you did do a couple of minutes on this, but like, how did they evolve to only eat humans? Yeah, that doesn't make no sense." The, the snake people from Davidia too. Yeah, nothing about what they said made sense there. She's like, we can only eat humans. And then uh, yeah. no one said anything. Picard didn't go. That don't make any sense, though. Yeah, she might have had an Prove agenda. It. Which was to try to get him not to blow up their cavern. But yeah. she didn't realize that he had an agenda. Which was to blow up the cavern. <laughs> and she was giving him all the ammo he needed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was a tough one. But, you know, she wasn't thinking uh, all that clearly on account of the... Uh, no, something had happened. There'd been a loud bang near her and she'd fallen. <laughs> her and Guinan both went down and I... I honestly, I've seen that episode 50 times. I still can't really figure out how anyone was injured. But people were injured. 
Yeah, didn't hurt any of the actual crew members. Did blow Data's head clean. I mean, you see that part. So that part's pretty clear. The snake exploded or whatever. But, like, I don't know what happened to Guinan and the uh, the alien chick who, I guess, died or whatever. But no one checks on her. It's fine. She died or went home. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, there's no (laughs) follow-up. Picard assumes that they've stopped the incursions with their torpedoes. And they leave. Yeah, they fucking peace out of there like it's They got data TOS. back. That's all they really cared about. They got data back. His head's way older now, that, which is what nature intended. It's be It'll be like when I take my car in to be serviced, and they're like, oh, you only have 20,000 miles on your car? Oh, okay. Well, last time you were here, we did the 45,000-mile service, so I guess we'll do the 50,000-mile service <laughs> this time. It's going to be like his... His uh, head and his body are going to be way out of date on yep. those services. Like, uh, this is, I'm confused by this one. Uh, like, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what to do when your body is 40 years old and your head is 540 years old. It's very difficult to know what to do. I did the, um, I did the 500 year service because I said, it said this what the head was on the system here, but like, um, I'll just let you know for the future. You don't gotta come in for the for the service on the body because uh, it's not gonna be five hundred for a long time. <laughs> like I don't think that's how it works. You're saying I can't get yeah. the body service for five hundred years? Nah, you you won't need it because this is the five hundred year service, and you already did that on the head. I don't think that makes sense. You're though. Like, fucking Jiffy Loop every fucking time. I don't understand what you're talking about. You're creating more problems than you're solving, Jiffy Lube. <laughs> Anyway, I see that you have marked off that you checked the floor mats, so thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Last time I went in, it's always something. Last time I went in, they did, I don't know, I should find another place, I think. Um, they did the oil change, and then uh, when I drove it home, the engine light was on, and I was like, these fucking, these fucking guys. <laughs> always trying to create more problems for me. Now I'm going to have to ignore that engine light, because I know nothing happened. They probably just didn't follow the right protocol. Did shit in the God, wrong is that order. the solution you went with? Uh, well, it did eventually shut off on its own after a couple days. Okay, cool. But cool. For, for a little while, I was driving around going, "These fucking Jiffy Lube motherfuckers!" Remember the time they yeah. didn't? They uh, were supposedly filling up my tires and they didn't put the caps back on. Fuck these guys! I mean, <clears throat> I've only talked about it the, six times on this pod. I remember the time Katie had me take her car to Jiffy Lube to get an oil change, uh, and. After that, the fucking air conditioning system rattled for some reason. <laughs> what are they doing in there? I don't What's know. What's their deal? I don't know. I don't know what their deal is. I never know. <clears throat> All right. uh, after my last service, which was at a, the dealership, the about mm, 400 miles later, the service engine soon, or maintenance required soon light came on, and I was like, ah, oh, they just didn't set the fucking thing. <laughs> They just forgot to tell the computer they did the service. That's right. No, this was literally the service I had done. Yeah. <clears throat> these fucking guys. <sighs> these guys. Anyway, I learned how to turn that warning off. Oh, yeah, you just got to get into the deep code level. Yeah, sure. You just knock that right out. Anyway, there's no way to know why how they could only eat humans. I think the assumption is that that uh, can't possibly be true. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, that was some bull crap. And yes, we On did the 20- it. <laughs> we did, yeah. On the 25th, you retweeted Jose Canseco, who wrote, I think tomorrow I'm going to identify with a tree frog. (laughs) Now, when I first saw you post this, I thought that he, I don't know how conservative he is. Mm. He's from Cuba. There's a conservative streak in people who 
have yeah. left Cuba and come to America, right? Sure. I thought he was doing the attack helicopter joke that conservatives love so much. Oh. Uh. But then I reread it and noticed that he doesn't say he's going to identify as a tree frog. No, 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 no. He's going to identify with a tree frog. Yep. Which suggests to me that he's just going to fucking sit down and imagine what a tree frog's little life must be like. Yeah, but and... he's going to try to look at one first. He's going to try to find one and yeah. look at it and then just I does really feel like step, step number one. Drill down. Is he still in that car wash? <clears throat> you know it, man. You know he's with fucking, he's still doing the Jose Canseco's fucking uh, Grand Slam car wash or whatever, where every single word's spelled wrong because he can't tweet. And uh, <laughs> But if you show up between noon and one, he's going to be there signing autographs. Uh did he report back? Did he identify with the tree frog on the 25th? Um, I never saw another report about that, but he's, okay, uh, cool. he's been on some I, new stuff lately anyway. so Yeah, I did. well, we, we may get to something else later. Okay. Maybe. <clears throat> uh, you... You tweeted... Oh. Uh, Can you see the tweet? <laughs> yes. Okay. So you retweeted... So, all right. Uh... <laughs> So you retweeted a tweet about the sort of Vegasization of uh, uh, the Hajj, the pilgrimage. Yes. Uh, you you specifically tweeted a map that says, uh, uh, with a caption that says, a real victory for American soft power through getting these five hardies open <laughs> within Jamarat tossing distance of the Kaaba. <laughs> There's five uh, hardies and it's a fucking on this map. one street. And sure enough, there's this fucking what? There's a street, and on one side, one of the one of the holiest sites for sure, and then on the other side of the street, yeah, one, two, five three, Arby's. four, what? five Hardies. <laughs> it's five Hardies. Well, oh man! Why would you ever need more than one in any city? <laughs> but five. I mean, it's just right it's across wild. the street. Like, hey, uh, I've, I've made my holy journey. <clears throat> I finally, I finally seen it all, man. And I feel, I feel special and different inside. But like, I gotta have a Western bacon cheeseburger. It's not it's real bacon. Hardy's dog, but they like, don't even do that. It's not, actually, I, I was at one at um, in Chattanooga recently. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, like, and, and they finally burgers you can finally get barbecue sauce. They finally added that Western. Man, it's okay. on the menu. Anyway, it's not real bacon, but like it's still it's so delicious. And uh, Hardy's knows <laughs> that I'm I'm gonna need to eat one thousand more of these before I fly home. Inshallah. If you had said to me just like what what American <laughs> restaurant chain is surprisingly popular in Saudi Arabia, I think I think if you had done that as a quiz on one of the earlier mailbag shows. I would have run through every fucking one I could remember and never have said either Hardy's or Carl's Jr. It's true because they don't seem that popular here. So it's yeah, they're not popular here. It's difficult to imagine there's a place where they're super popular, but we found it, man. This I'm just is like, it. I don't know. Fuck Arby's. <laughs> I know you wouldn't have said anything super obvious like Subway International fucking <laughs> restaurant domination uh, or, you know, the Golden Arches or whatever. Fucking Hardee's, man. <clears throat> On the 28th, you retweeted someone else who posted this dialogue. Son says, what happens when we die? 
and then the father spends an hour balancing a judeo-christian concept of eternal life with the equal importance of selflessness and inclusion during our finite time in this one and then the son asks his father are donkey and diddy kong father and son or brothers and the and then the father says we will never know yeah 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 I don't know. Yeah. I imagine someone does know that, but like, I don't fucking know. Uh, Are Donkey I, and Diddy Kong father and son? I don't fucking know. Uh, we didn't really. Did someone have sex with Donkey Kong? <laughs> I don't know. It's a rough idea. It's not great. I don't like to think about it. We didn't spend a lot of time with Donkey Kong Country. Uh, no, I went. I, hey, look at the graphics. They're uh, those are some graphics. But it's not a very interesting platform. And they're doing the they're doing the same thing as like Mortal Kombat or whatever, or right. Tekken or whichever one it was, where they they looked that looked like um, you know fancy versions of a Monty Python cutout animation. Yes, right. Mortal Kombat <laughs> especially looked that way. But I do believe that Donkey Kong Country took some liberties, and that the original Donkey Kong from the game Donkey Kong mm. is the grandfather in that one and oh. he's named cranky kong oh shit really yeah and the one that's in there that's donkey kong is maybe donkey kong jr from donkey kong jr oh shit now i'm super confused yeah so <clears throat> so we never even really see real donkey kong no he's in the game oh because he's, he's cranky, cranky kong, kong and then there's, yeah. you said son of donkey kong who's donkey kong jr so where's regular donkey kong He's, he is Cranky Kong, oh. is my understanding. Oh, okay, all right, okay. And what about Diddy Kong? Ah, uh, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> he, he pays he pays basically all of the money he made from that song to stay. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> that's good. Good for him. Uh, this is one that I am not going to be able to describe, but... Can you play um, the audio? <sighs> I don't know if it's possible. If it's not possible, then we can just skip it. Because then you can't play the video or the audio. I want everyone to just go and see it though. So go check okay. out our Twitter feed. Look at the post that uh, that Matt uh, re- retweeted on the first of some good AI art. Shack Shaker Shamillion. Shamillion. It's the Shack Shaker Shamillion. Everything about it is uh, extremely AI, from the horrifying visuals to the crazy dialogue. Uh, about how you're going to gain over 5,000 pounds of pure muscle uh, and you can't even get to those hard to reach groin areas and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's got a, it's uh, got a simulated shack voice and all kinds of stuff's happening. It's real good. It's real good. Let's just leave it there. It's real good. Shack shaker chameleon. Uh, one hour ago, you retweeted Jose Canseco who wrote two hours ago. No boundaries when you live in your dreams. That was his third tweet today about how powerful dreams are and how everyone should spend more time dreaming. It sounds to me like he's a little bit obsessed with boundaries. The people are stopping him from living his best life somehow. Yep, but in his dreams, he's totally okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I don't know if he's uh, spending a lot of time... uh, uh, sedated or something these days so that he can just uh, keep dreaming you should tweet at him and just a link to in dreams by the cranberries that's good that's a good song it's uh, a good song yep and then um there's also a, a fleetwood mac song 
that's just called Dreams. That's really good. And then there's also Only in Dreams by Weezer. Only in Dreams by Weezer. Uh, Dean's Dream, of uh, course, yep. <laughs> by yep. the Dead Milk. Man. I don't know what he's going to do with that one. We're starting to get a little bit out there, but sure. <laughs> Uh, I don't think he would enjoy having to spend uh, all Thursday talking to that horse <laughs> in the freezer. Sure. Um, I would like to have uh, Jose Canseco over for a Dead Milkman listening party. Oh yeah, that'd be great. It'd be a great time, and I would like to film it so everyone you could know enjoy his. It. You know his favorite song would be one where we shouldn't even say the title of it. On this podcast. Yeah, no, you can't say that. Maybe uh, a zoo-based song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't say that no more. Can't say it. Can't play that song anymore. No, it's a, well, that's not such a big shame, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't. It's not, it's not one of the better ones. No. I mean, it wasn't as good as, like... Nutrition? Your, I agree. Your standard Sun Me song or anything. Oh, no, 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 no. Wow, come on, no. No. Come on now. <clears throat> come on With now, that. everybody. Um, a little bit of a thin mailbag this week. All right, so we should finally cut it. Let's just cut it. <laughs> then we don't have to be on Twitter anymore or anything. That's just the last two times we did like 45 minute mailbags, so. Yeah. Well, actually, this is good because I'm uh, I'm still a little under the weather and I don't want to be doing this at midnight, so. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but unfortunately. I hate the this. End... <laughs> the end of the mailbag. Uh, means the start of the much more painful segment <laughs> discussing three episodes of Star Trek. Painful for you, painful for us. It's painful for everybody. And also, I don't remember these. I watched them weeks ago. I have no fucking idea what they are. So it has been a while. <laughs> um, you'll remember. You'll remember the TNG because it was the eighth time you've seen it. But sure. uh, the the other two may be a little more of a stretch, especially that Deep Space Nine. We'll talk to that, about that in a minute, but. Uh, before we can get to that, the last place episode last week was The Next Generation. Yeah. Uh, this week we watched Realm of Fear. Next Gen. It really does come down to your competition in any given week, because Time Zero won one of these weeks. Uh, yeah, Time Zero Part 1 did win two weeks ago, and then Time Zero Part 2 <coughs> scored the lowest any Next Generation episode has ever scored. So. <laughs> yeah, it finished dead last. So You know, what can you do? Yep. Uh, Enterprise has located the USS Yosemite, an Oberth-class ship, which went missing observing a plasma streamer. Sure. You know about those. They're full yep. of ionic interference. It's a big special effect going between, like, maybe a full-size star and, like, a little neutron star or something. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no response to a hail. And they can't tell if there are any life signs aboard. Um, they can beam over, but maybe not back. But this week, uh, Reginald Barkley is around, or he's been promoted back to the day shift or something. Right. Or he finally ran out of medical leave. After the Cytherians jimmied his brain all up. So they don't really get into it, but he's back this week, and he thinks uh, maybe they can bridge the transporters of the two ships together, and that'll allow them to cut through the ionic field. Hey, you know you're right that it's kind of weird that it's a show that's like, no, we cannot have continuity, we can't have recurring things, because no, one no one's going to know what's happening if they just turn it on randomly. But like, But we will just bring randos back. 
Oh, yeah. It'll just be a random episode where there's a Barkley and you're like, we don't feel the need to explain his backstory or what's happening. He's just there. Like, so he's back to he's uh, he's back to just regular. So he's not super smart anymore because that wasn't real. He's back to being regular. Smart. No, but they don't say that. They don't. They actually don't expect you will ever remember that he was once a super smart being. So he's just there. Yep. I don't know why that's less confusing to them. <laughs> well, look, I mean, what if there was a block and they've never done this because the show's an hour long. But what if there was a block of two TNGs in a row on uh, channel 44 every uh-huh. weeknight? Uh huh. And you had just seen, I'm going to say, let's just say Hollow Pursuits. Let's say you had just seen Hollow Pursuits and now you saw this one. You'd be like, yeah, I mean, Barkley's a member of this crew. Yeah, but that would be wrong. One, because he's not in any of these episodes. And two, that would be a weird block. Was it Barkley hour? Someone getting the let out, but Barkley style? No, it's just like random. Like one's (laughs) just two and a half seasons ahead of the other. You know how it is with the Simpsons or whatever, where it's like... Oh, if you watch the Thursday night at 6 p.m. and then the Friday night at 6 p.m., that is actually the one that follows it. It's just that the one at 6.30 is from a different point in the time. Yeah, totally different sequence. Sure. Yeah. 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 I'm just saying you'd have to get pretty lucky to get the two Barclays because there ain't that much Barclay. I mean, uh, yeah, no, you're definitely right about that. Uh, However, have you seen the teaser image for next week's Voyager? Uh, Yeah. Well, it is unlucky that he shows up there a few times, too. So, you know, <laughs> it's like not as weird as you think. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Jordy thinks his idea about bridging the two transporters is just swell. But um, but Barkley clearly doesn't really want to be the guy to do it. And Jordy kind of has to shout at him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is oh. in that moment, the Homer Simpson retreating into the bushes meme. Yes. Uh, O'Brien still hasn't transferred to Deep Space Nine. But um, but he is around this week, and maybe it's the fucking final straw, because they took away one of his pips and made the other one hollow. <laughs> so, you know, he's probably th- thinking about that transfer right now. Yeah. Uh, he tells Riker and the away team that he has to send them over one at a time, and that, because of static, um, it might tingle. <laughs> they might get the tingles when they transport over. It's great. It's a great sign. They make a big meal of sending Worf over, and then Riker, and then Crusher. She even has a little, there's like a little fluctuation in her stream or whatever. Yeah. Um, And then it's Reg's turn. And somehow, no one has noticed this whole time <laughs> that he's been flop sweating and biting his fist and going, <laughs> like oh no, Hugging oh the dear. wall. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. He's been having a very bad reaction for three consecutive transports hey. over there, and neither Jordy nor O'Brien noticed that. Look, I, you know I like good Jordy episodes. I love great Jordy, and that's so why I hate the Barkley episodes, because Jordy and most of the crew, as soon as they uh, come across one slight personality problem, they're like the worst managers in history. Yes. Jordy, you cannot let this guy do this mission. He's going to die from fright he's gonna have a heart attack right in the transporter room well let's be clear on this and also i don't mind if we spend 15 or 20 minutes on it right now in the middle of the let's description fucking do it. let's fucking do it but jordy did not have any management training he went from ship's pilot to chief engineer yeah. overnight and off screen and they just gave him a team barkley was probably nah. i guess we need to learn why barkley came aboard and it was in season three but like they gave him that little guy who looks like a little Ferris Bueller type, mm-hmm. and uh, they got rid of Argyle, and they got rid of uh, 
fucking McDougal and everybody. Yeah, Shimoda, everyone, man. Shimoda, Shimoda got transferred <clears throat> out by episode three, probably. Yeah. Uh, and like he don't know how to run a team, and he don't mm. know how to manage people. No, his uh, his training was on the job training, commanding the bridge. Those times he did it. Uh huh. Yeah, all three times in season one, they did. They gave him the bridge. Yeah. Look, he did a good job up there. I get it, but then like, but those people weren't like, uh, they weren't different, you know. Yeah, they got yeah, one they different weren't. guy, and he just has no idea what to do with him. He's like, just get on the pad, asshead. I don't and know. Maybe like, the guy that maybe the guy that Q iced in the first episode was autistic or something. But Jordy <laughs> never got to meet him because uh, Q iced him right away. <laughs> Jordy hadn't even come aboard yet. If you're talking about the guy he literally iced, that he frosted up, that guy recovers and gets back to his station later. Oh, okay, that guy lived? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just see him, he just pops back in and sits down with triumphant music in the background, and you're Ah, like, everything's a-okay in the future. All right, cool. (coughs) They can unfreeze your ass, it's fine. Also, he was the only guy to think to whip a phaser on cue, but anyway. Yeah, he was quick, dude. Jordy don't got no management training, he don't know what to do about Barkley. He just orders him to get back up on that transporter pad, um, but... And he stands up there, but because this procedure takes a fucking long time, it's enough time for him to um, run away at the last minute, just like I always tell Niles to do when he's standing at Fraser's door and something <laughs> awkward is happening. No one's going to make always you like, stay Niles, there, Niles, you don't live there. Yep. You can leave. Yeah. Well, he tries that. <clears throat> uh, after the credits, he's in Troy's, I'm going to say new office. Okay. It's like a room with a bunch of pink couches and not one shelf with pilfered memories on it. Okay. Anyway, I don't know when she got this office, but it's like, it's not her old office. Okay. Anyway, he tells her he's always been afraid of transporters and somehow he's always avoided it. Yeah, he's literally never been on a transporter before. Yeah. Uh, Troy tells him that's, um, that's actually not that uncommon. Which we should know because we went through this with Pulaski in season two. Pulaski hated it. Uh, McCoy, at least in the movie, the movie version of McCoy, hated it. Yep. Although he beamed down five hundred times in the original series without complaint. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Starting in the movies, he was like, "I don't trust transporters." Yeah. Well, I mean, it turns out he's right. Yeah, you know, they break all the movie. time. <laughs> um. Anyway, they have methods to desensitize him to his fear, like for example, tapping behind his fucking ear. Yeah, That's yeah. the standard of treatment, I guess. That's the Betazoid version of erasing the memory of your father. Ah, yeah, Actually, yeah, it may have yeah, that yeah. effect. I don't know. Have we, um, in the years and years we've been doing this, ever talked about the fact that Troy is probably not a doctor? Uh, yeah, we've uh, we've questioned what her training is exactly, because okay. there are no right. answers in the show. But it's just like nobody she, ever calls her doctor, right? She didn't go to the and... academy, and I don't know if she went to the medical school. She's just like around. So, and we we know that her real purpose on the ship is to be Picard's little fucking weapon on yeah. the bridge. Yeah, she's a spy, some kind of mind uh, spy. We, we got clued into that in one of the worst episodes. Yeah, one of the worst episodes where a guy made a super good point, and you went, "Fuck you!" I gotta give this fucking thing an extra point because you made a good point, you fucking pervert. Uh, I mean, to be fair, this is not the beginning and end ending of uh, her treatment plan for Barkley. Yeah, it's just like here's step one, but he's so. Still so fucking nervous about her for some reason, even when she's in one of her less revealing jumpsuits, that he just storms out tapping his neck before she can, you know, move on to whatever step two would be. Yeah, she really gives a harumph. What if it was 
what if it was okay so for one thing we can do is we i call it plexing you just tap the nerve cluster right there and also we're gonna put you on xanax but he's already out the fucking door yeah he does not get the prescription for sure yeah and it's a weird it's a weird thing too where she can't really uh prescribe it to him unless he asks for it so she it's like she's got to kind of clue him in that he has to be asking the right questions also she there's no doubt she has to refer that to uh, beverly to do oh, the crusher for sure yeah, she that's why that. her uh <clears throat> catalog during the next that's why her uh, calendar in the next phase was full of uh all of those counseling appointments <laughs> That's right. Because she's got to actually redo all of Troy's work and actually, yep. you know, to, to do the prescriptions. She used to just trust her and just write the prescriptions as Troy suggested, but there was a big accident and Randy was fucked up for a long time because of it. Yep. So he got started to get everything. weird skin lesions and all kinds of stuff. It was one of those. Yeah, and Troy doesn't know his medical history. Drugs. Yeah. She just says whatever. <laughs> Fucking. It was probably like Friday at 4.55. She's like, I, I, I know what to do for you, Randy. Uh, we move over to the Yosemite where, <laughs> where Riker says there's no survivors and there's nobody at all. Yeah. But, uh, just a charred up transporter chamber where something clearly exploded and a whole lot of beeping and whirring sounds. All the escape pods are still there. But then it turns out there is a body there. Yeah, so what know. the fuck did Riker mean by no survivors, no sign of anyone? I don't know what he thought was happening there, but that's definitely a body. You should have seen that. There was a body ten feet away. Crusher was looking at. It's a very small shit. That was that body was pretty visible, right out in the open. It wasn't even one of those closet bodies that they used to find in the first season. No, you didn't have to open a closet. Wasn't it a shower or anything? Exactly. Yeah, no, that was just like a body in the open. Um, Crusher has found the body of Lieutenant Joshua Kelly, the ship's engineer, who is all burned up. But not burned up enough to yeah. explain how why he's dead, so he has to be autopsied on the Enterprise. That's right. She's actually mad he wasn't burned up more, because <laughs> now she has to do work like this halfway shit. So this guy's only fucking half done. Uh, meanwhile, back on the Enterprise, Barkley steps up onto the pad, and O'Brien tries to comfort him by saying, "Well, I'm afraid of spiders." Uh. And uh, Barkley says, oh, that's weird, I'm not. And uh, is that foreshadowing? <laughs> I don't, well, there's no way they had thought to write that dipshit episode okay. next season yet. But maybe they looked back when they were writing the dipshit episode. Oh, maybe. That is possible. And they're like, yeah, there's a couple of spider moments in the last one. That's yeah. right. Now he's a for now <laughs> O'Brien has given him a fear of spiders, so this would be great. Yeah. Anyway, he beams over, and for the first time, we see what that's like, what it's like to go through the transporter, mm. and it's just a staticky fade out and fade in. <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of like what you would think. I mean, that transporter effect, that's what it looks like on the outside, so. Yeah. I guess that's what it's like on the inside. When you are, they keep saying, atomized or whatever, but yeah. you can still see just fine. It's okay. It's Well, yeah. Uh, Jordy puts him to work downloading science logs, and, um, that no one's even shitty about his freakout. Not even Riker, who hates him. Yeah. Everyone's just nice about it. Yep, I think they were browbeaten enough the last time. Well, also, they must have found more bodies, because now they're down to four crew members unaccounted for. <laughs> so I don't think Riker even looked around. Riker, come on, man. I don't know how many people are aboard one of these shitty science vessels, but, like... Come on, man. 
No survivors, <laughs> no sign of anyone. Have you looked? No, I mean, I'm gonna. But like, I'm sure that. Just, you know, first first glance. I thought you wanted me to shoot from the hip. I thought that's I've looked around here. this general area, including your desk. <laughs> he actually, that whole day, he was walking around the ship going, no bodies in here. Just walked into Picard's writing room. I don't see any bodies. Uh, the other thing they've found is they have pieces of a shattered sample container to take back and study. Picard gets a call from some admiral in a scene that definitely could have been cut. Yeah. Who reports that a Cardassian ship seems to have been hitting Ferengi <laughs> freighters in the sector. Maybe they attacked the Yosemite. And Picard promises he'll be in touch if it looks like shenanigans. But this, uh, that's it for that. Man, so. to tell you how well that, or how much that could have been fucking cut. I've seen this episode, as I said, so many times. <laughs> I didn't even fucking remember that conversation happened. Yes. When I saw it this time, I went, oh, there's some Cardi business in this? I don't yeah. remember that. But of course there is not. There is no Cardi business. This, Like you said, that's the end of that conversation. But what the fuck it's, was that? It's like a fucking... It's like they Rick Berman said that they have to put five things in every TNG episode that connect to Deep Space Nine until it launches. <laughs> that's right. And this week it was like, the Cardis are up to some shit. Oh, and also... Uh, you know how Ferengis were uh, virtually unknown prior to season one? Yeah. Uh, well, now we've got normal relations with them because we're going to use them kind of a lot, yeah, actually. In they've got, space now nine. they're beefing with the Cardis. But also, yeah. think about this. Chief O'Brien. Uh, what's he doing here? <laughs> we don't know. He's still here, I guess. He could be in both. <clears throat> um, well, everyone starts beaming back. Uh, but not only does Barkley's transport take three times as long this time, hmm. but uh, he sees a big floating turd in there. <laughs> it's just floating around. It's kind of like the Doomsday Machine if it were a yeah, if it were a big turd puppet. Yeah, it's like a big puppet of a turd, and it's the size of a uh, a tall man's calf. It's like a big hoagie. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fucking party sub, but but with a gross poop mouth. <laughs> Uh, and it turns and it lunges at his arm like a megalodon when we're trying to pull up skeleton loot. It's it's one of the worst things they ever did, like effects wise. Yes, that nasty puppet. It is very bad. Why'd you do that? This was nineteen ninety two or three or whatever. This is the best you can do. The turd puppet. That was some real fucking free jack bullshit that they pulled. Yeah, there. It, no, it definitely was. Um. This is not Reginald Barkley's favorite thing that has ever happened to him in his life. No. But he decides not to directly mention it. Instead, he just fucking... Well, it's only his second transport. He just hedges it by asking Jordy, presumably like 10 minutes later, yeah. if anything strange has ever happened to him in transport, or if he's ever heard of the 20th century guitar band Tool. <laughs> um, Jordy's like... Oh, man, I, I see some visor shit in there sometimes. Yeah. Like, maybe go ask someone who sees the same way you do. Someone yeah. who can't tell who's an android and who isn't. That'd be a good That'd be a good technique. Maybe ask someone yeah. who has regular eyes like you do, because mine are uh, fucking turbo eyes. Uh, Jordy eventually gets it out of him, what happened in there, and he has O'Brien run a full transporter diagnostic. And Barkley goes down to help, and he starts talking about uh, just what it is about transporting that scares him. Apparently, there's no margin for error, and the scanners have to align correctly within one thousandth of one percent. Right. 
And O'Brien and Jordy are like, hey, man, there are basically no transporter accidents. It happens like a couple of times a decade. And Jordy doesn't mention that about five weeks ago, he was beamed out of phase and had to body check a Romulan straight to hell. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy the things that he and O'Brien say to Barkley in this episode yeah. with a straight fucking face. Yeah. It's not the second most problematic piece of technology on the ship. Yeah. Right. And we're definitely not going to see the transporter turn everyone into children anytime soon no 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 that couldn't happen it's um, safe it's a safe piece of technology barkley brings up a condition called transporter psychosis but i guess that hasn't happened in 50 years well he brought it up yeah so, um we'll talk about Bever- it some more i guess beverly is autopsying the burn victim when his heart starts beating again um yeah dude terrifying- she, we talked about it this dude's been only he's still pink on the inside he's <laughs> rare terrifies a nurse Ogawa who once again wants Dr. Crusher to know that it just started happening on its own and she didn't do anything <laughs> about it. She didn't push anything. She didn't accidentally step on anything. Yeah. Um, his heart stops again. He takes one big breath. Everyone's confused. Um, then we see Barkley playing either miniature bocce ball mm. or gigantic Chinese checkers in 10 forward. Yes. When his arm starts to hurt and glow, it's a lot like Harry Kim's STD from the disease. It does kind of glow like that, but he doesn't seem to be enjoying it. No. Well, it's not happening to his nipples. Ah. That's the key. (laughs) That thing Uh, that hurts your arm so bad would feel great if it was on your nips, buddy. Is it an STD, though, Matt? Did the transporter worm give him oral? In a way, yes. I mean, it used its weird mouth. Uh, he goes to his quarters, pounds a glass of cool water, and asks WebMD to describe transporter psychosis to him. Yeah. And he is convinced he has it. It says 99% probability, so. Yeah. <laughs> he knows now. The computer also tells him there is no known treatment, which is <clears throat> wild. They don't even give you, like, an aspirin for the painful spasms. Nothing, dude. F- tough like, it out is what they say in the 24th hey, century. I get that there's no cure. <laughs> there's no treatment at all? Nope. No. Oh. No. Except you gotta sit there and glow, and we all get to watch. That's what it's like in the 24th century. Hey, how come when I put into WebMD arm tingle, it said MS, it didn't say transporter psychosis? Because he was definitely having arm tingles. Yeah. Uh, we have a conference room scene where Dr. Crusher tells the senior staff that the body in sickbay had lots of residual energy in all of its nervous system parts, and it seems to have been burned by plasma. And Jordy's theory is that maybe they tried to beam some plasma from the plasma streamer into that busted container that they found. Hmm. And that seems to be the case, but it's hard to pay attention to what's going on, even for data, because in engineering, Barkley is like, drinking from a water bottle and checking his eyesight and being generally arch. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, the computer told him as he was drinking water that one of the signs was, was uh, dehydration. dehydration and that he lost his shit at that point. Uh, and then when Data asked if he's okay, he just goes into a Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> he doesn't say I have something to do up here. <laughs> I got a job to do. He just, he, you're right. He just goes in there and starts climbing up. Uh, Data tells Jordy about his weird behavior, and Jordy follows him up the Jeffrey's tube to find out what's going on. 
he sends uh, Barkley home to rest up, and then he calls Troy, mm. who intercepts him in the in the hall, and then has to keep up with him as he tries to tire himself out. Yeah, she relieves him of duty. Mm. Thanks, Jordy. Yeah, great work. Yeah. Uh, he tries some meditation, but because he's an idiot, he asks for more seagull noises. <laughs> it's never a thing anyone's ever asked for. So, obviously, meditation isn't going to work. The computer should have made one of those confused noises it makes sometimes. <laughs> it really should. Like, wait, do you mean more? Do you mean less? You meant you, less, right? I'm assuming you meant less. No one's ever asked for more. Do you want sea lions, too? Do you want... I can make it, I can make the whole place smell like the Capitola Pier. Is that what you're interested in? Uh, then he goes to bed, tries to listen to soothing music. Um, but his dang old arm starts glowing again. Yeah. He calls O'Brien back to the transporter room in the middle of the night to ask about the ionic fluctuation that happened during his transport. And then he orders O'Brien to beam him over and back. And recreate the fluctuations. Now, that only makes sense for a minute until you learn what the fluctuations are. Yeah. And then the he question is, be able to recreate how is he them? able to recreate yeah. them? <laughs> he just, but, you know, threw a few more bodies in there. What's the problem? You don't, you don't for, think O'Brien has a surplus <laughs> of bodies to put in I there? Mean, presumably the transporter buffer's fucking full of them. He's been collecting them since season two. Well, he sees the little turd mouth again. And when he comes out, he tells O'Brien to wake the senior staff. Yeah. Uh, then we have another conference room scene. Dr. Crusher scanning his arm. No one likes hearing that he saw something in there with a mouth. As yeah. soon as he says mouth, everyone's like, oh, God. Oh, no. They probably imagine something very close to the turd mouth. Um. They, yes. And they, they probably, yeah, their imagination is probably pretty close. Yeah. Uh, Everyone says, I don't know, man, this sounds like your usual deal. And he says, I know, but you need to trust me on this. <laughs> and Picard puts everyone to work. It is Starfleet, man. It's Starfleet in Gene's <laughs> tradition where he goes, I know I have no track record. And also, uh, this sounds fucking stupid, but you have to believe me because it's like it's it is a, the evolved human nature to, to trust me on this. And everyone just goes, I guess we got to eat it again. <laughs> 24th century, what are you going to do? Yeah, well, sure enough, a better scan in sickbay uh, of his arm uh, shows that he's been exposed to the same kind of ionization as the dead body. Yeah. And he wants to continue with recreating the plasma explosion. And um, Beverly says, sure, let me put this uh, low jack on your arm <laughs> so that I can detect increased ionization. Uh, Data and Jordy set up a Also know when you're field. whacking it, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Letting you know, <laughs> so that we have an understanding, and I don't have to say the rest of it. You can, um, you can put it in pause mode for like 15 minutes <laughs> if you need to do something private. Um, or 30 minutes, I don't care. I don't really uh, care how long it takes you. You know, I don't know, if you get to the holodeck and there's a line or whatever, but like... Right. Yeah, um... Uh, Data and Jordy set up a containment field in engineering. They beam a sample of the plasma streamer into it. They always do this right next to the warp core, yep. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. where you put everything dangerous. They begin with a resonance frequency scan, which I'm sure Ryan is going to be very interested in giving his <laughs> recent line of questioning. And sure enough, it blows up the whole container. Uh, the containment field fills with plasma and Jordy sees biomagnetic energy in it. It's clearly some kind of life form. Um, but... 
Barkley has passed out with, and his whole body's low and blue now. Yeah. So, uh, after that, I guess attack passes off screen and he wakes up again. Uh, Jordy's telling everyone he thinks that these are plasma microbes and that's probably what Reg saw in transport. And then he just hand waves off the fact that the thing that uh, Reginald saw was the size of quote Spuds McKenzie <laughs> by, by saying that uh, yeah, transporters are just weird like that. Yeah, it's a perspective thing. You get it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Crusher tells him now that he has some of those microbes inside him and the biofilters can't um, filter mm-hmm. them out. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe they left him in the transporter for a long time, like maybe up to 40 seconds to give the biofilter time to figure it out. Sure. And he hates this idea, too, but these microbes, what can he do? Yeah, exactly. He knows 40 seconds, is he's going to get so much oral in there, and he doesn't <laughs> want it. too much worm oral. <laughs> uh, he goes in, they start scanning, he sees the worm, but he's been told to hold still, so he just stands there, and this time the worm just comes over and stares at him. Yeah, it's not better, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not cool what's happening. Yeah. His signal's degrading. They finally get the biofilter programmed so they can bring him back out. And suddenly he gets a flash of inspiration and grabs the worm. Sure. And his mass increases by 92%. And so they um, they slam a force field up and he beams back with a whole man. Yeah. Oh, man, 92% his mass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how tall Dwight Schultz is, but he doesn't seem he seems bigger than Jordy for sure. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, he's it's a whole man, but it's you know, he's not a huge with, man. He didn't, he didn't come back with a war or anything. Yeah, yeah no, no. no. <clears throat> uh, in fact, Worf and a security team show up at this point because they didn't they didn't know what they were beaming back. And uh, Barkley tells them, "Hey, there's uh there's three more crew members in there, so grab one and hold on." Yeah, and Worf. Uh, and, uh, it's a very good listener and just does what he's told. <laughs> yeah, they just fucking immediately do it. This is like, this is not even some new shit for the Enterprise crew. Now, <laughs> Grab the worms, I, got it. I then No problem. I don't think anyone briefed the uh, security officers that they were going to look like big sticky turds <laughs> with mouths. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure when they got in there, they weren't pleased. Yeah. Uh, it turns out that when he saw multiple of these things floating around in the beam he thought about all those missing crew members and wondered oh what if they were trying the same thing we were doing here mm. and uh yeah that turned out to be the case uh because the, the guy he pulled out ex- explains that uh kelly was trying to reprogram the biofilter too but he didn't get them back in time and they dispersed but because the plasma streamer has energy in it you get it their patterns didn't degrade so that's why they're still there to pull out and what burned him again, Kelly? Oh, the plasma that they beamed in blew blew up all over him. Okay. Um. It's it 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 is an interesting question. Does that mean he was hella burned when he was trying to program yeah. the biofilter, and that's why none of this worked? And then she also said the burns didn't kill him. It's fine. I don't care. Yeah, whatever. I don't care anymore. <laughs> the no, we, the microbes are what killed him. We know that. <clears throat> sure, sure, sure. Uh. The security team pulls out the other three crew members. Barkley has a big dumb smile about it. Nobody has microbes anymore. They're all back in the streamer. Uh, Picard t- goes out of his way to tell us they've been returned to the streamer. Yeah, it's very important that they be yeah. returned. Uh, Barkley has a drink with O'Brien, who has brought to 10 forward his pet tarantula, Christina, 
that we will never see again. And uh, guess what? Barkley is afraid of spiders after all the end. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Matthew. Hey, uh-huh. oh. <clears throat> What's this one about? Hey, the only way past your greatest fears is right through them, man. <laughs> I think Troy says something like that. Uh, Barkley goes back to the uh, the transporter on purpose to prove he really saw something in that O'Brien scene where he wakes him up. And I think that's the key moment. He's like, yeah. I'm just going to fucking face my fears. I'm going to get up on that death machine. I'm going to see a turd mouth, and I'm going to fucking sh- show all of you fuckers. And later he does have to go in for a while again, but that's just to save his life. So that's sort of a, that's a more reasonable act. But um, Right. Also, he's been through two, four transports at that point. I mean, they all suck. Three full cycles. None of them are great. <laughs> he had some bad transports for sure. Uh, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, get through those fears. Uh, confront them. Whatever. I gave it a five. That's that's TV. Uh, I'm I'm like one less. So, like you said, almost certainly this is a straightforward confront your fears episode. Yeah. It almost seems like Barkley's biggest problem has been pretending not to be afraid of the transporter. And once he gets that out in the open and Troy gives him even a basic coping mechanism, he's able to do it. He does. He does get on the pad for sure. Yeah, like just uh, with nothing more than plexing, he's able to make that first transport, right? And so the whole thing where she helps him work through his fears is like a three-minute scene. Yeah, and again, I thought when he left, you were supposed to think that that was not going to work and that he'd fucked it because he was too fucking shifty and nervous. Yeah, but like ultimately that's what what this is about, huh? Yeah. Um. So it could even, you could even have like, this is like a very personal, the uh, only thing we have to fear is fear itself, or the fear is worse than whatever you're afraid of, or or something like that, right, as a take. Right. There's also a nice little lesson in here about not ignoring what, say, your patient is telling you, just because you've already made up your mind that they're like drug-addled or depressed or whatever. Sure. Because like, there's another path here where everyone dismisses Barkley because of all of the things we know about him, and those four people never get saved. Yeah, sure. And um, that's not what this episode is about. I just think, you know, it's worth mentioning that there's kind of a read there because, like you said, this is Gene's future, where ever, even though everyone is as annoyed by Barkley as it's possible to be, <laughs> they do they do still take him seriously when he wakes them all up in the middle of the night. It's like Gene thought that was the ultimate act of humanity, <laughs> to be like, I fucking hate you. God, I fucking hate being in the room with you. You fuck, but, like, I'm not going to abuse you. Like, he thought maybe that was, like, the ultimate sign of, of evolved humanity. Maybe, like, he hated one of his writers and, like, um, didn't pants him in front of the rest of the writer's room or something. And yeah, he's and like, he was Aren't I great? A, lo- a lot of recognition about that. I'm great. <laughs> I'm very evolved. Um, uh, for all of that, I don't think this is a big ideas episode. And, um, in fact, they lifted it entirely from the Twilight Zone with the gremlin on the wings. Sure. They're just like, they were just like, what if the gremlin was real? Do you remember when Kirk was in that one? Yeah. yeah. But the guy kept... By the way, it's... That guy's doing some great flying in that Twilight Zone episode. The way he flies on on and off the <laughs> wing. It looks really good. It looks way better than this turd mouth, for sure. <laughs> I mean, his whole, his whole get-up, his whole outfit isn't very good, but, like, his wire work is pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is a super low effects bar to clear. Yes, that's true. Um, so yeah, like I've got it at about a four. Um, 
execution wise, honestly, the worst thing about this episode is Dwight Schultz constantly hamming it up with his face. <laughs> Otherwise, everyone is very nice. Everyone is good at their job. Barkley is afraid of something that should give people pause that we've seen other people be afraid of. It's not even a new idea. Uh, there's a lot of techno babble this week, but I thought they mostly stayed on this side of the Voyager line. Right. <clears throat> but story-wise, I think the beats work. This is not one of the ten best TNGs, but um, I didn't think it was terrible either. I gave it a six. Okay. Yeah, Barkley overcomes his initial transport fears. He goes in to prove he saw something. Later, he shows another kind of courage when he reaches out and grabs the poop mouth and saves the crew of the Sokovsky. I know that ship is called the Barash or something, but it'll always be the Sokovsky to me. It's the fucking Yosemite this week. Whatever. Um, I guess we're not supposed to feel comfortable during these Barkley episodes, right? Because he's so shifty and nervous all the time. It's hard to watch. Yeah. But like... <clears throat> I don't like seeing this nervous twit around my capable comrades from the Enterprise because it always reveals how bad they are at dealing with anybody who's different. It is true that Troy sentences him to seven years dungeon with no trial. Yeah. As always, Barkley's part of the problem, for sure. But so are his colleagues and superiors who distrust him and expect he's doing something weird or shady all the time. Still, eventually everybody rallies behind him. No B-plot here. Uh, it's like the mystery of what happened to the science vessel and the crew is intertwined with the Barkley stuff. So the episode has focus. It just isn't about much. Uh, let me remind you that there is a B-plot. Uh, except and for those Cardies. Did the Cardassians do this, maybe? <laughs> baffling, baffling scene. Uh, <coughs> it isn't about much. It kind of felt like a meh. And the less said about the graphics, the better. Uh, uh, I gave it a five. Okay. Well, that review sounded like much worse than a five, but... No, like I said, I mean, it's like a focused episode about one oh, thing, yeah, and everyone does eventually get their shit in order, and they help the guy who needs help, and like you said, it's just kind of like... It's unspectacular, but it's, you know, it's not a it's not a bad episode by any means. Well, what about world building? Ah, uh, we got plasma streamers, which are full of ionic interference, uh, bandwidth limitations... And longer transport times, thanks to the, again, that dang ionic interference. The Cardis blasted two Ferengi vessels somewhere in this sector? Uh, the Ferengi say that the Cardassians did. We actually don't even know that it was true. Yeah. Um, here's where I say, if you're being taken apart molecule by molecule, how can you see shit? How does Jordy's visor pick stuff up? How, though? How mm -hmm. can I give points for world building that raises more questions than it answers? Uh, Jordy asserts that only two or three transporter accidents have happened in the last ten years. Man, we know that ain't right. Those <laughs> things break all the time. I mean, I thought about it. He definitely is not counting stuff like Picard's energy beams out in Lonely <coughs> Among Us, or, uh... Does he just mean fatalities? I don't know what he means. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I guess there haven't been that, that many in yeah. TNG so far. A lot of shit goes wrong. They do weird shit all the time. Um, transporter psychosis, like you said, no known treatment. Uh, hey, man, somebody said biofilter, and you know what that means. It didn't filter it. <laughs> every yeah, you time. never hear about it when it works. Yep, every time you hear someone say biofilter, it means it did not do the thing that it's supposed to do. Uh, you can whoopsie your way into being a space worm. 
So yeah. watch out for that. Uh, I gave it a two. Uh, again, I had it one higher. Okay. There's a lot of stuff about how the transporter works, mm-hmm. but not all of it makes sense. You can see the beam inside the beam, even though the molecules that make up your retina are all flying around detached. Yeah, and your uh, brain and everything. All of it. If you, yeah, if you stay in it too long, you might get lightheaded. Uh, sure. The static in the beam can make it tingly. Somehow, you're reduced to a huge amount of data flying through subspace. <laughs> yeah, but also not only like are you turned into molecules, you're also data. Yeah, it's a, the bones are their money, so are the worms. <coughs> yep. Uh, transporter psychosis, the rate of transporter accidents. We have a little DS9 table setting with an admiral who's worried about Cardassians and Ferengi in a scene that could have been cut entirely. Uh, yep. Troy has the power to relieve someone of duty. Sure. Yeah, I'm presumably, it doesn't seem like he's actually relieved of duty, and presumably just because Beverly hadn't signed off on it yet. Yeah. I gave it the standard three. Okay. Yeah, dude, uh, it actually is, it's actually maybe the most astonishing piece of technology in Star Trek, because apparently your whole dang body can be deconstructed. Yeah. And it doesn't kill you. No. Somehow, the act of your body being dissected in that way. You have continuous consciousness through the entire process. So I don't even want to know. talk about that part, because that makes so little sense. But but, like, you, but that's how you know that it's you don't die when you dematerialize and a clone appears in another location. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is it just prestige a clone? Style. Is it just a clone? Because, like, you dissect, my whole brain disintegrated. Like, what am I? Uh-huh. Am I still no, a person? Don't worry, we put it back together. Am I a person? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. It's either a ship of Theseus argument or, again, <laughs> something that Nikola Tesla invented for a magician. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, everything about it is fucking stupid. Characterization. So, I mean, Barkley's still Barkley. Uh-huh. And uh, Jordy and Troy do seem to still consider him their joint project. Their but forever project. Ha- Everyone else is a lot kinder to him this time. Even though the last time we saw him, some aliens jacked his asshole level up to 100. Yeah, it's true that once he got smart, he'd be a real dick about it. Yeah. He's apparently been worried about tanking his career this whole time. Though, by now he ought to be pretty relaxed, since they've let him get away with some wild shit. (laughs) It's true. Like, he still- he didn't even been transferred. No, I thought for sure they're gonna drum him out. You did masturbations about us? Yeah. I I guess he's been a lieutenant junior grade for at least three years, so, you know, he's not he's not on the Geordie LaForge career trajectory, but uh I mean he wouldn't even have taken it personally. He offers to resign. Like Yeah. uh, uh, if you just like if you just sat down with him and said, Look, man, this ain't nothing personal at this point. You did masturbations about us and like we can't (laughs) just like hang out together now. Like, you gotta go. <laughs> like, um, you know what? We're gonna send you somewhere that doesn't have a holodeck. Yeah, we're sending you to Aquiel's base. Yeah. There well, you know what? There. We called up the guy on the hood. That's right. Uh, we called up DeSoto. You're gonna go work for DeSoto on the hood now. Enjoy that. Uh, Riker and Jordy both had great things to say about it. Enjoy moving admirals around and nothing ever happens. That's right. Um, I mean, but he doesn't get Aquiel'd, so... 
but I guess he hasn't told anyone about his transporter stuff because it would ruin his career. Although he seems like the kind of guy who would be very happy just being a shuttle pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Make that your career, buddy. Turn your uh, weakness into a strength. Into a strength. <laughs> we learned about that recently, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. O'Brien was afraid of spiders and he's a nice guy. There isn't really character work for anyone but Barkley, and I'm not sure how much he grows or changes during this one. Sure. Uh, though I do guess that waking up the senior staff and standing his ground and reaching out for that worm, that's all. That's a pretty big deal. That's day good for him. stuff. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. see, I guess, next time whether he's a yeah. new man, a new Barkley. Uh, so <laughs> Probably I'm the next time we that. see him is in that fucking other Moriarty episode, and he does seem fairly confident in that one. So Yeah, I guess we'll fucking see. Oh, Jesus. I hate to think about that. He's like um, hanging out with a wife, the Moriarty's, Moriarty's girlfriend, whatever. Oh, yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving it a four for characterization. Yeah, I agreed. It's a four. Um, Barkley is a systems engineer. He's also a real dang coward. Hey, can it be possible he never transported ever? He always managed to duck it. He says it is, it is true. Uh, well, his first one goes bad. Uh, the first one's fine. Oh, is it it's on the second one trip? sees the worm? Yeah. Uh, but he overcomes his fears to prove he's not crazy and eventually saves all those dudes from the science ship. Jordy expects everyone to be cool and smart like him, and sometimes his subordinates fall short. Uh, he sicks Troy on Barkley, which seems pretty messed up. But I guess it's the military, and he's probably allowed to do that. But I don't know. It seems like a party foul. I mean, it does feel like a party foul. Call someone's therapist, you know? He also, know. like, it's not clear what the timeline is. I guess Barkley at that point says he's trying to tire himself out, so. But it does seem like he says, why don't you go home? And then as soon as he leaves, he's like, uh, <laughs> hey, all right, yeah. Counselor Troy, intercept this guy on his way home. I need you to don't, relieve him of duty for me, please. I yeah, want you don't, to take uh, the hit. Don't let him have a minute to fucking cool down. Go hit him right away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could tell that it hurt O'Brien to call Barkley, sir. Yeah, and uh, and also to ask his, but he does ask kissing so well, and he just dives right in. <laughs> Used to be afraid of spiders, but not anymore. Now he's got a pet tarantula. You know which stuff. O'Brien this is? It's ships and bottles, O'Brien. This is ships and bottles, O'Brien. But it hurts him to have to do it to Barkley. But since literally every single person in Starfleet is his superior, he's just got to. He's still got to do it. <clears throat> now it must be a point of pride for O'Brien, right? He's just like um, the only person never to be field promoted to ensign or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only fucking NCO in in fucking Starfleet. Um, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he loves telling people. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I make thirty five thousand uh, self improvement credits a year. That's <laughs> right. Uh, Troy straight relieves Barkley of duty for being a freak. Uh, yeah, just a four. Quick ones. Yeah, <laughs> Riker volunteers that walking sloppy Joe wharf to transport over first. Uh-huh. It was not a security situation as far as they knew. So I guess if he got all scrambled up, they'd know it's not safe and that's fine for him. That's who he chose. Uh, it's okay because Worf has two of every molecule. So the transport has a lot more to work with. <laughs> that's right. It's just all those redundancies. The Bahat Ghoul or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Uh, Barkley's hairline made me sad. I think oh, it yeah. it made a big move since his last appearance. <laughs> uh, I, again, I've seen this one a lot. I never remembered the Cardi panic aspects no. of the episode. No, well, it doesn't develop into anything. 
every time with those flat sequined pillows, those shits look so uncomfortable. Uh huh. Hard and flat and like bedazzled. Yeah, no shit he can't sleep. Yeah, <laughs> his head probably hurts. Uh, and again, they couldn't do better than that Muppet in the 1990s. That's uh, that's it for me. It was a little sad. Uh, we last saw this chump 1,400 star dates ago. So I guess he's been keeping real quiet for a year and a half. Yeah, but you you're know right what? that he probably is on some weird engineering night shift most <laughs> of the time. He's either on the night shift or maybe he had some medical leave after the Cytherians juiced his brain. Could be. Uh, in this episode, for the first time, O'Brien wears one hollow rank pip because we need to see that Barkley outranks him. Yeah. Um, I guess they don't. I guess he doesn't get his uh, chevrons until like DS9 season three. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I think he does still wear a pip or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Troy wants to, but for legal reasons, cannot tell Barkley that he needs to snap one off before he gets up onto the platform, right? <laughs> like, just crank one out in O'Brien's private bathroom that he can't legally refuse to let other people use, but he hates it when someone does. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then immediately beam over, but she can't say any of that. Well, she says to him, have you ever heard of Carl Lewis? <laughs> and then she just lets him do the research, I think, on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Joshua Kelly, ship's engineer, is not in a uniform, and the four guys that get pulled out aren't either, but he's still a lieutenant, and this ship is the USS Yosemite. Yeah, what's happening there? Yeah, we've seen these little science ships before that don't seem to be part of the fleet, but why is that? Yeah, why and is that guy a lieutenant and uh, poor O'Brien's not? Yeah, like, also from a writing perspective, what purpose does it serve? Why did they write that they're not wearing the normal uniforms, or, like... Who made that decision? It doesn't make any sense. They're really like, Starfleet uh, has a special science uniform. Not the blue one that we're talking about that says you're in the sciences, but the special science uniform you do to do science. But, like, if you have to go to the laser room for any reason. Yeah, you're doing laser room business. Or you you're the to... chief seismologist on a fucked up seismic planet. Yes, or... exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. If you're spying on aliens, you know, hidden. Uh-huh hidden spying on alien civilizations, any of that stuff. When you're doing science, you wear the science outfit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I thought the hardest thing O'Brien ever did was cold vaporize a couple of Cardis at set like three, but uh, I guess that tunnel full of spiders was worse, huh? (laughs) Well, it's it's not you, spider, that he hates. It's what he became because of you. Hey, uh, hey, Barkley. Hey, Reg, put your empty water glass back in the replicator, man. Don't walk it over to a table and set it down. What good is it there? You, you You're not going to go the... refill that glass. You put that glass of water on the table. Say you had some water in that glass. Imaginary person's going to come by and knock it over. Oh, for sure. And then you're going to be like, oh, I wonder who knocked over my water. And maybe, depending on your personality, you might get make an investigation. <laughs> you may or may not do anything about it. <laughs> If you just mop it up and go, this Listen, stuff happens of, on ships all the time. One of two things will definitely happen. If you're <laughs> Beverly Crusher and yeah. your water glass falls over, you'll either berate Nurse Ogawa or right. have both. Picard uh, turn the ship upside down. Oh, both, to be safe. You definitely berate Nurse Ogawa and then you go to Picard, I think. If you're Counselor Troy, you might just frown at it and then not report it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I left the water in the glass, but I don't know. 
Uh, but he puts an empty glass down and it's like, that ain't how it works. You don't refill your glasses here. No, you, th- when you ask for new water in the replicator, it's going to give you a new glass. Just put the glass back in the whatever. Then you got to put two glasses in there later, idiot. Uh-huh. Your, uh, your quarters are just full of empty water glasses. They're going to have all kinds of amoebas in them and shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends on how good the biofilter is, I guess. <laughs> hey, um, what does Jordy mean when he says Reg looks a little pale? Yeah. What yes. is Jordy seeing? Exactly. Yeah, buddy. Uh, we've seen from your point of view, and uh, Data looks pretty pale, but everyone else looked like a bunch of colors. So, I'd be weird if he said, "Hey, man, I'm seeing a lot more yellows and greens. Are you feeling okay?" <laughs> but it would have been, it would have not been weird. It would have made sense. I would have gone, "Hey, look at that! They remembered that that he in sees things episode, weird." <laughs> exactly. In this episode, Matt O'Brien asserts that he's never lost a person to transport. <laughs> well, maybe he hasn't. I don't know. Man, maybe he's only had people show up wrong. You know, show up just not quite right, but maybe oh, he didn't look, lose them. He wasn't, he wasn't on the controls when uh, Rowan Jordy got phased, either. That's true. That was that lady who was definitely addicted to fucking prescription pills. <laughs> 100%. That was so, such a weird episode. I guess when he ices him for Picard, he does it some other way, huh? If he's never lost a person to transport uh, I mean, I think on the we official know records. Now. That he puts them in the buffer and leaves them there. Ah, yeah. It'd be uh, so great. <laughs> fucking so great. If one of the worms turns out to be Picard's clone from season two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did he get in there? Uh, <laughs> um, Troy relieves Barkley of duty. But I guess that news doesn't reach O'Brien, who still thinks he's qualified to give orders at three in the morning. No. I mean, it's probably not the kind of thing you'd check. Is the guy, is the officer who's my superior who's ordering me to come to the transporter bay uh, uh, relieved of duty? It's not the yeah. kind of thing I would think to check. Even if it was Barkley? Oh, maybe if it was Barkley, but it is the middle of the night. He's probably. Hold on, let not. me just double check and see if you're still authorized to give orders <laughs> on this ship. You were acting fucking weird as hell last time I saw you. It is possible you've been relieved of duty. Uh, no real understanding of why the thing doesn't try to bite Barkley the last time. I mean, like, was it just a different member of the Yosemite crew? And Someone less bitey. bitey. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> they got uh, it, they got the bitey thing... Bob on the first one, and that guy's just always <laughs> biting people. He does it as a human too. It's not even worm stuff. Yeah, he was kind of the Barkley of his ship, and he got transferred there. And you know why? So bitey. <laughs> uh, so it's not that. Um, Maybe they were always just going to come stare at him, but when he threw his fucking elbow up every time, they took that as an aggressive move. <laughs> could be. Yeah, you don't do that around Bob. You don't put your elbow up like that. Um, If you work security on the Enterprise, you have to be prepared to walk into a room and hear someone say there are other crew members trapped in the beam. You have to grab onto them. <laughs> There's just no room to say, hold on, what now? <laughs> hey, uh, let's have a meeting about this. Is there a... A less audacious conference room that we security folks can go to to discuss this situation. Yeah, does Worf have an office? Can we meet there and talk about it? Can we meet in the broom closet and talk? We can about just all this stand around bit? in O'Brien's private bathroom. <laughs> he lets anyone use it. He has to. He can't. Le- he legally can't say no, but he, you know he doesn't like it. This does seem like, and I think you should leave Skit. 
<laughs> the bathroom that he legally has to let people use. Uh, it was very hard for me, Matt, to see that the next episode is Man of the People. It was a real tough thumbnail for it's me. It's not good, but I knew was it was coming, up. man. Yeah. We're already in season six, and uh, the hits, uh, they start coming. And, and they don't stop coming. 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 And they don't stop coming. I'm just telling you. Uh, I gave best actor to. Um, well, it's a. This is a real split decision. I loved Reg just go walking into that Jeffries tube. Just no attempt at an explanation. Just right in there. And I said to myself, "Where's he going?" And sure enough, he was just trying to hide for a minute. <laughs> just climbed a ladder and drank some water. Uh, but I hated him checking his vision. So that's the flip side today. He's got best and worst actor. Yeah, you could tell that on set people thought that was really good. Uh-huh. He was definitely playing. He was definitely trying to get Brent Spiner to break. Yep. <laughs> but good luck. He never breaks. No, he's a professional. He's the greatest actor I've ever worked with. I, I've never worked with any actors, but I, I've heard so many people say that. I feel like I have to. Well, we're right in lockstep on this one. Uh I gave it 17, you gave it 16, so that's okay. a 33. That uh, that that's, was the winner last week. Yeah, that's so. actually not that bad. All right, well. It's not it's not that bad for Realm of Fear. Yeah. The episode where Barkley uh, finds a worm. poop in the transporter. <laughs> the biofilters are fucking stop up, man. tapping his ear. I found a huge turd in there. You tell me the biofilters are working? Does Jordy go, ah, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, I was phased? <coughs> yeah, that's right. I was phased a couple of weeks, five weeks ago, and um, couldn't sit on the toilet. For some reason, I'd pass through when I tried to sit on it. So, so I was just letting it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I know what you found. I always poop big like that. I mean, it's a perspective thing. Yeah. Because you're in the transporter. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the transporter magnifies microbes so that they look like big turds <laughs> from someone who really likes corn. <laughs> Eats corn with basically every replicated meal. I like the I like these seven different attempts that uh, Jordy and O'Brien and others in the episode made to hand wave everything that Barkley said was happening in there. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's because uh, you're in the transporter, so they're like uh, bigger than regular microbes. I guess go, they what? couldn't tell. I guess they couldn't tell him. Oh yeah, um, everyone's terrified every time they have to go through the transporter. <laughs> we're, none of us are sure if we die when we transport, and maybe we're just. The one thousandth clone of the original person. Yeah, I was just having this conversation a few minutes ago. I'm uh, pretty sure I'm, I'm not the same Jordy that stepped onto the transporter, fucking ten years ago or whatever. Yeah, and then everyone's like, "What is this? Uh, freshman dorms? We're still doing this?" But like, they're scared too. <laughs> That's right. Second place last week was Voyager. So weird. I know, right? This week we watched the Voyager conspiracy. <laughs> Just before you get started, I'll tell you that my reaction to this episode was the same reaction that Buzz Hickey had to Meow Meow Beans. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just sat there uh, starting thoughts about what was going on in my brain about why I was so mad, but not being able to really get them out. Is one of those that he fought for this country? I fought for this country (laughs) and, you know, (laughs) he just can't get it out and then eventually... I think it's Posehn's character just looks at him and says he has to do a number two or something. Anyway. Uh, the Voyager conspiracy. 
uh, Naomi Wildman is waiting in Seven's alcove. I think pretending to be a Borg, though they don't go into it. Yeah. Because uh, Seven has canceled their weekly Cottus Cot game in order to add a cortical subprocessing unit so that she can ingest new data generated by Voyager quickly and efficiently. Fun. <sighs> this is what's wrong with Voyager. This is it? This is the one thing? <laughs> that I had to say that sentence. Okay. <laughs> well, it's true. They do love their techno babble. Uh, after the little girl leaves, Seven straps in and modem sounds take us to credits. <laughs> Janeway has replicated, like, a gray paella for dinner with Chakotay, where they uh, talk about a dumb rumor that's been going around Voyager and a dumb nebula that would be a big detour. Ugh. Um, but they seem to like each other. Yeah, they're getting along. What could, yeah. what could come between those two? Well, exactly. Yeah. Seven's regeneration cycle finishes, and she immediately calls Bolana. And then the two of them show up on the bridge to ask permission to shut down the sensor grid because Seven thinks there are a pair of photonic fleas mating in it. <clears throat> uh, she tells a long story that is set to flashbacks that explains how she knows the fleas are there. And after that story, Janeway goes up with the two of them, and sure enough, there's a few little flying critters on what I thought was the time bomb in that episode where Major Ryan lost it. <laughs> yeah, it was still in there, man. Yeah, but now, but it, it turned out that was never the bomb. That was a normal part of the ship, and now it turns out that's the sensor grid. Yeah. Yep. Even though it looks like two funnels on a ball. Yeah, man, that's how the sensors work. The ball, I guess. one ball detects the thing and shoots the data through the tube to the other ball for processing. Yeah. So her new thing is clearly a success. Voyager arrives at the site of some graviton fluctuations, and it turns out to be some kind of space station. It's not working super well right now, but the person running it, whose name is Tash, says that when it's working, it can catapult a vessel across space so fast it makes warp drive look and sound like our old 1969 Chevy Kingswood station wagon. Yeah, man, more seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, naturally, Janeway offers to help. And um, he comes aboard. He looks like a dinosaur, but that that's also nothing. Nah, he's he not ain't one, one of those guys. He's, he's not, not one of those dinosaurs. Nah, he ain't a dino boy. Not at all. <laughs> Uh, he explains that he fell into an unstable wormhole and found himself 10 years from home and he started building this fucking thing. I don't know. You suppose those guys are 10 years away or more? Those dinos. Oh, that was fairly early. Yeah, it's got to be more than 10, right? So they're probably farther than 10 years out, though. Who knows how fast their big city ships go, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm someone uh, at STL must know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, we know they want Omega Molecules. They gotta have them. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> Give them to me. They start working on a fix for his machine, which he says could cut a thousand light years off of their journey. Mm. It's not nothing, but... No. Yeah. Um, Seven straps in for another regeneration cycle, and uh, then we see her in Janeway's quarters announcing that Tash is deceiving them and that the catapult is the same type of technology that trapped Voyager here five years ago. Hmm. She does another flashback explanation sequence, this time detailing the events of the episode Caretaker, and explains that Tasha's array must use Tetrion technology, and that they've only seen that at the Caretaker's array, plus, Tash didn't want them to beam a repair team over to his station. And that's suspicious. 
Right. Just got uh, it Jan- all put together. Uh-huh. Yep. Janeway sees her point and says she doesn't really want to run into any more of these old caretakers. And uh, and then Shmullis confirms that uh, Tash isn't one. And he explains to Janeway that the Tetron array was expensive and he doesn't want anyone to steal it, so he hid it from them. And Janeway doesn't know what to believe, but she agrees to continue cooperating. She mm. tells Seven to keep on the lookout for evidence of a caretaker nearby. And Seven asks to look at the records from the destruction of the original array to see if any of the reactors from there could have survived. And, although no one says this, ended up 25,000 light years away. (laughs) (sighs) Maybe he just pranked up when he pretended to die that time. Maybe it's a big prank. Well, she thinks this grainy old footage looks way more like a missile than it does like a 757. <laughs> That's right. She's got it figured out. Or specifically, she thinks she sees a tractor beam in uh, some old footage that's literally a picture. Yeah. Uh, and she thinks, huh, I wonder if that's grabbing the secondary Tetrion power core. And uh, then she goes up to the bridge and questions Tuvok. She wants to know why he used such a high yield on the original warhead. She and is also technically and legally his boss. Yes. So, <laughs> makes sense. Yes. Also why he used tricobalt warheads or whatever. Mm-hmm. She believes that he that the charge opened a hole in subspace and the reactor was pushed in to hide it from Voyager. Then she goes to talk to Neelix, because he was kicking around when that <laughs> happened, Yeah, about the possibility of a third cloaked ship being present to snag the array. Neelix he has, some, he has some sensor records from his little shovel. Shuttle? Mm-hmm. Shovel? <laughs> he called it the shovel. <laughs> to give it a seven. She plugs right back into her array. Uh, but also, at this point, Tasha's ship goes into the catapult, and they're not going to know what happened to it for, like, maybe two hours. But when she comes out of her thing, Seven calls Chakotay down to Astrometrics, and then she locks all the doors and turns off the internal sensors, and she tells him, listen, you and me and everybody here, we're all stranded in the Delta Quadrant, and it was intentional. Janeway and Tuvok uh, did this on purpose because the Federation wants to establish a military presence in the Delta Quadrant. Yep, yeah, yep. She shows Chakotay a sensor image of a Galore-class ship sitting at the Caretaker's Array, uh, and she says that was sent back a few days before Voyager arrived. It's totally she legit. Thinks. I know she, people are going to complain that she only found it in a subreddit somewhere, but it's totally uh-huh. real. It's 100% real. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely not an Aqua Teen Hunger Force prank. <laughs> uh, she believes Tuvok brought the Maquis ship to specific coordinates and Janeway followed, specifically to be brought there, and the unusual use of tricobalt devices was designed to tear open that rift in subspace. She thinks Janeway is going to use this array to uh, use the catapult to bring back a joint Federation Cardassian fleet from the Alpha Quadrant. Sure, sure. Because she doesn't know how things are out there right now, post-Dominion War. Or, you know, forever, because... uh, that it's not like the Federation and Cardassians have ever gotten along on any point. Yeah. Uh, Chakotay seems unconvinced, but he does see some logic in Seven's argument, and he and she suggests that Janeway can't be given control of the catapult. Meanwhile, Tash reports that he was sent 5,000 light years, but good. he had to make some shield modifications en route, and he sends Voyager the schematics. 
uh, Chakotay brings those down to Bolana, but then he tells her to sabotage them slightly to buy another six hours. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> he's, he has swallowed the bait. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I mean, we know he's kind of a dumb dumb, but yeah, not great. He, I guess, explains the whole thing to Bolana off screen. And she thinks it's pretty far-fetched, but then when Harry Kim shows up to help, she kind of lets Chakotay send him away and goes along with his plan. Yeah, she's not subtle enough. She just says, fuck you, Harry. Get but lost. This, but this shit is already old news because Seven wakes up from another regeneration cycle, and yeah, she man. calls Janeway to Astrometrics this time. She sees that moon, for sure. Uh-huh. And she tells Janeway that Chakotay and the other Maquis are trying to resurrect the Maquis as an organization to use the catapult to attack Cardassia. She shows her basically the same evidence. The same Cardassian ship image. She tells her it was destroyed by the Maquis in the Badlands. Tuvok and Chakotay decided to use the caretakers array to launch surprise attacks, etc. Sure. Chakotay paid Tash handsomely to build the array somehow. Yeah. And Janeway says, no way, Chakotay's my guy. And we go to commercials as Seven continues to rattle off a bunch of suspicious things from Chakotay's past, just like she did with Janeway. And mm. guess what? It, it, it ends up working also. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they, everyone I, must have been really swayed by that whole photonic flea thing. They just, uh-huh. like, big into it. Um, after the break, Seven's walking the corridors, having a little paranoid fit, asking Naomi Wildman who she's working for. Um... Chakotay and Janeway show up to look into a power surge at Seven's alcove. They're both armed. They're acting very suspicious of each other. Eventually, they figure out that Seven has given two different interpretations of the same evidence. But it's also too late at that point, because then they learn that Seven has stolen the Delta Flyer. Yeah. So, they have Shmolos look into her alcove, and, um... And then they agree between each other, between themselves, to uh, keep this out of the fucking logs. And that's an actual conspiracy. Yeah. (laughs) As they give chase. Uh, They can't beam Seven out of the Delta Flyer for reasons. They can't hit it with weapons either. She sabotaged some key systems. Schmal says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, She's downloaded more information into her brain than her brain is capable of processing. Janeway beams over to the Flyer, which they can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To talk some sense into Seven. Uh, but at this point, Seven thinks she's uncovered Janeway's true objective, to bring her back to be dissected for information so that the Federation can defeat the Borg. Janeway tries to convince Seven that it's just her mind making order out of chaos and that she's always been her friend. And mm. she and she you does the re- she does a reverse. This is us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She talks Seven back through <clears throat> her whole voyage towards individuality and asks her to trust her on this one. And I guess that works, too, because in a captain's log, Janeway reveals that the catapult moved them across 30 sectors and cut three years off of their journey. (laughs) Seven dismantles her alcove device since she's no longer capable of using it. Goes to play Cadiscot with with Naomi Wildman. Janeway and Chakotay are a little embarrassed at their own susceptibility to conspiracy theories, but not enough for my taste the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you see why I had a hard time saying in words what the hell I was thinking. Yes. Uh, jeez. Are you interpreting all the symbols? I- I'm trying. Searching your subconscious for their meaning? I couldn't do it very long, though. It was painful. Um, well, I guess I came up with, don't get too big for your britches. <laughs> 
Seven and her colleagues. Uh, they were all so damn impressed by her photonic flea theory that she went all Sherlock Holmes and made a big hubbub about nothing, man. She thought she was grown. She did. I mean, this is a thing that happens, I guess, but do we need an episode of Star Trek about this? If that's what this was about? I give it a three. Um. This is, so you think this is, um, that little turd who thinks that he hit the wrong button and blew up the whole ship, and then he had to lie about it. And <laughs> he, he did think he was he tried, was too big for his britches. Tried to drag the Breen into the whole situation. Yeah, that kid, uh, that kid thought he had powers, man. Hey, buddy. The, the little turd from Hero Worship, I don't remember his name. Hey, buddy, those panels are shit. <laughs> they blow up 100% of the time. Don't worry about it. Um. Okay, so... Unlimited data supports unlimited interpretation, and picking and choosing what data is important can even lead to directly opposite conclusions. Great. In other words, the internet gives unlimited ammunition to conspiracy theorists. That's true. Did they know that in the 90s? Because that's definitely true. I think they were starting to know it. Oh. I Um, thought the only thing on the internet in the 90s was hamster dance, but maybe. I mean, hamster dance was pretty big. It was a big deal. But it was more. It was bigger in like '96 than '98. Okay, <laughs> that's true. By '98, well, yeah, maybe was... by '98 they knew that uh, you couldn't just email everyone in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but from this computer, um, it's hard to argue with this sort of. Uh, picking and choosing data and, uh, you know, having the sort of conspiracy mindset is self-destructive. But the fact that Janeway and Chakotay both get caught up in it and the show gives no advice for how to deal with it other than to unplug for a while <laughs> really right, waters it down. Sure. Um, like, I, I gave it a four. Okay. Because, uh... <sighs> I mean, I guess I mean, that's true. That's a better take than what I had. I just, I can't believe they knew that yet, but maybe. But if I thought like in the 90s, exactly... everyone was still being like, information superhighway, we're all going to be fucking geniuses. That's fucking exactly what happens, though, right? Because she gets <laughs> too much information, and when she can only consider certain subsets of it, it leads to different conclusions, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, it's like... <sighs> I'm, I'm not saying that they have predicted Pizzagate. I'm just <laughs> saying... Isn't isn't this what happened in Pizzagate, etc.? <laughs> well, I don't know. Were there any facts in Pizzagate? I, they didn't sound like they could be close to facts. But oh, maybe. no, but it was all stuff like, uh, <laughs> every time they refer to uh, cheese pizzas, that's child pornography. It's because it starts with a C and a P. So every time in their oh. emails they talk about this, <laughs> like, it really was hacked together out of a bunch of nonsense. Sure. Anyway, um, Seven of Nights queuing on. Is what I'm saying here. Yeah. I mean, that's just some Yahweh bin Yahweh shit, though, right? Oh, no, it for sure is. Yeah. So they, I guess they did already have that before internet was really part of that. Yeah. So, like, whether the writers were smart enough or whether they fucking accidentally did an episode where Seven suddenly turns on the fucking pipeline and then yeah. uh, starts coming up with wildly different conclusions and also apparently doesn't realize that she's been doing this. 
or doesn't care or just thinks the new one's better than the old one. It's true. There is no explanation to... why she immediately like, goes to the person she just said was the author of the Great Conspiracy to be like, there's a great conspiracy. I guess if you think in the new scenario that Chakotay is the guy doing it, you don't call Chakotay and be like, oh, never mind, it's not Janeway, it's you. Yeah, that's true. But uh, but it is odd. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there are a few things I liked about this one. Okay. I thought that they took kind of a swing with the narrated flashback sequences, and surprisingly, I thought it mostly worked, even though that's not the normal visual language of Star Trek. Interesting. Okay. I don't get it. I don't know why I liked it this time, and most of the times I wouldn't, but... Sure. Uh, they don't try to tie everything up in the end, like... Why did Voyager have tricobalt devices or what that yeah. smudge was on the sensor image? Yeah. Because you don't need to refute every cherry-picked piece of evidence to know that a conspiracy theory is absurd, right? I guess, so, but I do wonder. But what was going on, though? Why they got those tricobalts. Yeah. Well, who is this Tash guy? Can we trust him? Oh, the thing yeah. worked? Hmm. <laughs> uh, seven gets through some awful speeches without losing her way that's that's just props for jerry ryan who had to say some <laughs> nonsense this week oh through. yeah look i always say i don't think any of these actors ever understand more than 11 percent of the script but like there are definitely times where you come in and that ember drops and you're like yeah. i understand two percent of the script this week it's gonna be great we're all gonna have a great time um they don't end up destroying the catapult or doing a dumb little speech where it turned out not to work or janeway felt like the tetron reactor was too dangerous and it needed to be destroyed or whatever right um but there was one major thing that didn't work for me this week and that was chakotay after five years of being janeway's number one yes man yeah after not removing her from command five weeks ago or whatever when she tortured a man with space gremlins yeah, 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 yeah. Sets the stage for a mutiny this week after hearing one of the most unhinged conspiracy <laughs> theories ever uttered. Yep. And by the way, Janeway's the same. <laughs> and they don't even fully cool too. off by the end of the episode. No. I think they had their phasers at that dinner at the end. So that's totally unearned. Yeah. And, um, you know, they could have focused more time on why Seven wants to go back to a more Borg-like way of doing things and what it means for her that it doesn't work out. But honestly... Uh, like I said, there were some things I liked about this one. I gave it a five. All right. So we're going to be pretty far off on this All right. One. Cool. <laughs> See, I didn't like the narrated uh, flashbacks because I was like, is this just a clip show? Are they trying to be like, you guys it's remember very, how Voyager got here, a right? It's a very small proportion of clips, it turned out, though. Well, yeah. So as I say, is this a clip show without most of the clips? Because they're like, here's how Voyager got here. And look at all these crazy adventures we went on. <laughs> yes. Hey, remember Kess? Yeah, it kind of was a clip show with no clips. They even bring up Kess, and you're like, what the fuck's happened? Do they think we don't remember the show? Cause like, I do feel like fair. it's the first time Kess's name has been said since she uh, <laughs> since became... she got out. I just, um, yeah, I was confused by all of that. And, but again, fair, because it's not a good show, and people might not remember what the hell happened. Um, uh, I wonder if this data download thing is going to have any side effects. It's a... Uh, it's a shame they show something bad happening every time anybody shows any initiative on Star Trek. It's like they want you to think the ideal officer should just sit there quietly and not ever volunteer anything. It, I mean, it is. In some ways, it's very conservative in that way. Every time someone's got a special project, it ends up ruining the whole ship for the episode. I guess, like, uh, I guess in the episode where Jordy meets the real Lebrams and takes L after L after L, <laughs> it is like he has made the ship more efficient. 
It's true. Yeah. She it's like, like done it, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's mad uh, about it for sure, but. Yeah, but I just, you know, it's, of course. Of course she's like, well, I, but I can be better, though. I can do better. And it's like, <laughs> try to do better, you ruin everyone. Just don't try. Yeah, like, so, <sighs> that scene at the beginning and the scene at the end where she tells Naomi Wildman that efficiency isn't everything really yeah. suggests that it should be an episode about uh, don't try, like, hey. Yeah, quantity is better than yeah. qual- quality. Well, Just do yeah, a good, then, like, stay in your lane and do a good job. But then it's like, that's not what this episode's about. No. Um, Janeway says, this Tetrion core must have come from somewhere. But she doesn't even ask the guy where he got it. No. She just starts to whisper with Seven across the room. Hey, lady, ask the guy. He seems nice. Yeah, he did seem nice. He'll and probably also, tell you. If this guy had just said, oh, my people have Tetrion cores. <laughs> would have been it, man. That's that would have been it. it. They don't know these people. If he said, I bought it from, uh, and then he names an alien they know or something. Yeah, I bought it from these guys. They got one of those. You know what I mean? But she doesn't yeah. even ask him. No. That seemed very weird to me. Uh, nothing Seven says in this episode ever sounds more like an incoherent fucking babbling. And that's a problem. Like, if we at home are ever supposed to believe the crew we've been following this whole time is on some secret nefarious journey, they need to actually say something compelling. Yes. But it's all conspiracy theory nonsense. Yeah, and that's why the worst thing about this episode is that Janeway and Chicote believe it. Yeah. Not that write, it's happening to Seven. They write Chaco to be so dumb that he just goes, that all sounds very scary and I don't understand anything if we're being honest. So, yeah, I mean, conspiracy proven, I guess. Uh, Tetrions? Then, oh, you hate to see it. <laughs> then she does the exact same thing to Janeway, who I guess is just as stupid. And then they're both just walking around with phasers like the dumbest rednecks after listening to one Alex Jones show. Yep. It's maybe the worst depiction of Starfleet officers we've ever seen, that they both fall for this. And that includes the rest of the Voyager episodes, which is uh, uh, an incredibly high bar. Um, Another big leap through the quadrant that is only mentioned in a wrap-up captain's log. That's three times now that's happened. Yeah. Where in a captain's log, as the episode is fucking ending, she's like, anyway, that's ten years that's gone. We don't have to do those no more. (laughs) Seems like an important event on a show that's about trying to get home, theoretically. But she's just like, yeah, anyway, it was worked pretty good, I guess. That's uh, some more years we don't have to go. Uh, I gave it a one. Okay. I uh, I didn't like any of it. Well, maybe you'd like some of the world building that it did do. Well, there's photonic fleas, and I guess what that means is they eat photons or whatever. They were not themselves photonic. They certainly didn't appear to be. No. Uh, this guy's space catapult. They've cut three years off their journey with it. The Jankata Accord about not entering other quadrants for territorial expansion. Oh, yeah. The Cardis were sucked into the Delta Quadrant, I guess. And then promptly returned to the Badlands, where they were destroyed by the Maquis? Well, I guess it turns out that the caretaker was just returning people when they didn't work out. Yeah, maybe. She says that that wasn't typical, and that's why it was so weird, that he didn't just return... He didn't return people. But he'd return them. Uh, He just looked at him and went, yuck! (laughs) He said the first one, he said, don't even cut those guys open. Don't cut them open. They were military guys. They had all the fucking, they had the weird tube helmets and everything. And he was like, oh, no. (laughs) These guys aren't the guys. Look, all I have to do is look at these guys to know they're not going to take care of the Okapa. Uh, Do you think these guys are going to take care of the Okapa? I don't want them. 
who's doing the scouting for the caretaker? Was it him? Was he doing it? I guess so. Because, buddy, you fucked up. Those guys are not going to take care of the Ocampa. Uh, no, they would have had the Ocampa fucking mining ore for sure. Yeah, their short lives would have been filled with manual labor. Uh, Starfleet vessels don't normally carry tricobalt devices, so why did Voyager have mm-hmm. them? The conspiracy. Was that some anti-Maki bullshit? Maybe. Maybe they, they do love to do some war crimes, crimes against the Maki. Is a uh, tricobalt device? Is that a war crime? Because then I'd believe that that's why they had them. Uh, I just gave it a four. Okay. We learned a lot of weird things in this. Yeah, I mean, I have it as a three. Okay. Um, we have Tetrion arrays are rare, but mm-hmm. theoretically Voyager ought to know how to build another catapult now, but I bet they don't. They won't build one. <laughs> now, are you kidding? That could take a month. <laughs> but then we would cut three years off the trip. But think of how many nebulas. Another month doing think it? Think how many nebulas there are on the way home. I didn't sign up for Starfleet to build arrays. That's right. Uh, Tricobalt devices, not standard Federation equipment. Cardassian ships been in the Delta Quadrant. Neelix remembers Kess lived. That's right. That's a big deal. It wasn't wiped from his memory. Uh, yeah, I know. I have it at about a three. Okay. Uh, characterization. Well, Seven is physically altered, so it's hard to tell what to make of it for her, other than she maybe learns a lesson about not prioritizing sheer input over reason analysis. Mm-hmm. Um... And that's fine. I guess that's something that the she needed to learn now that she's not a boy. Honestly, that might have been something she even already knew. She didn't know what was gonna happen. She didn't she didn't, she really didn't think the, this. the pure amount of data was gonna make her bonkers. Though maybe she should have. Really thought about it before she did this. Um I've already said Janeway and Chakotay both look really dumb. Yeah. And I didn't like that they agreed to leave this out of the logs. Nope. That's <laughs> some bullshit. Yeah. You know who know who would be leaving stuff out of the logs? Captain Ransom. That's right. That's yeah, yeah. And his buddy. It's not Duquesne. Duquesne was made to Ryan's <laughs> second in command. I don't remember. You know, Balan Torres' boyfriend. Yeah, but I, I don't remember what I called him every single time. Um, let's go back and watch that episode. Listen to that episode. Uh, Jane, we were revealing Max all penis. the ways that was yes, his Max name. Penis is what you called him, yeah. January revealing all of the ways she helped Seven of Nine along the way really shines a light on how noble and heroic she thinks she is. Yep. Rather than all of the things she's forced Seven to go through. She wasn't like, and to be totally fair about it, we do fight like a lot all the time, basically. But also... Stardate 51618, I ordered you to go through all of your parents' memories, even though it was deeply traumatic. (laughs) Stardate 51719, you said... Thank you. <laughs> uh, no one else is in this much. Neelix gets a couple of okay scenes. Naomi Wildman gets a couple. But big fails from the command staff make it hard to give big points here. I give it a two. Yep. Yeah, the Wildman baby has a weekly cut game with seven. Seven goes overboard in a big old nasty way, but it's all good at the end. She's even nice to the baby. Um, what a surprise that TP shared some medical info with Neelix. Shit isn't even real. <laughs> that's stuff that he's passing on, but he was desperate to leak that fucking classified medical info. Yeah. What is happening in the, the when they're talking about that hot goss at that dinner in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Fucking Tom Paris, man. He's not even in the episode. Fuck this guy. 
Uh, Janeway and Chaco are still having private dinners where Janeway complains about slaving over a replicator all day long. Uh-huh. How long it took her to program this fucking meal? Uh-huh. Seven plays Chaco on Maquis levels to get him to cooperate. Then Janeway gets fooled, too, and goes, Hey, man, don't nobody have to hear about this. <laughs> at least she manages... It's really, it really is Yoda and uh, Obi-Wan <laughs> at the end of episode three where Yoda says to him, Nope, nobody's fault this is. <laughs> um, at least she manages to talk Seven down in the end, though, as you point out. It is an incredibly self-serving version uh-huh. of her relationship with Seven. So uh, I give it a one. Yeah, well, okay, I don't know. I get it. Um, you have some quick hitters? Yeah, this was Little League by the books, man. Everybody got to pop in for a scene or two in this one. The for Doctor sure. only shows up via communicator, I think, but still. Uh, Seven very nearly added this nice catapult guy to the list of Voyager's enemies. <laughs> yes it's a nice dude he's he was like, really nice Look, man you guys can use it after I'm gone I don't care he seemed a little slow like, yeah not not he was uh, like, You're didn't have social me? intelligence and then eventually he's like after I go through the array you can use it <laughs> yeah, like, yeah man hey that was Janeway's play from the second she <laughs> talked to you slow on the take for sure yeah he was uh, they made him like some kind of uh, Poindexter who hey. was like he can build arrays but he don't know people so good hey Tash that's why Janeway's helping you and not threatening to blow you out of the sky. <laughs> not telling you to run when you hear her name. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, Seven almost made that guy one of the enemies, which would have been, that would have been tough because that guy was really in a good mood. He was a good dude. Um, that's it for me. Quick hitters for you. Yeah, I have a few. Did Janeway program the main course to be ready one minute after the first course? If so, why did they start eating? She's not good at this, man. Yeah, she's not also, good at, at, at programming the replicator. Why not just have two composed plates replicated instead of dishing it out manually? And honestly, is she gonna have leftovers? Does she have a fridge? If it's this hard to program the replicator to make dinner, just fucking make dinner yourself. You know? Yeah, she doesn't Shit. know. I also, I guess she probably just gives herself as many replicator rations as she wants, huh? Yeah, she has. Uh, don't worry about it. Many. That's how many she's <laughs> yeah. got. Uh, I said this guy's name was Tash way early because I looked it up. The first time we hear it is when Seven tells Janeway he's a big, meanie liar. It's uh, <laughs> it's not a Gorgon situation exactly because she's had time to learn his name off screen. He probably <laughs> told them at some point that we didn't see what it was, but it was odd that that was how we were introduced to it. There will never be another Gorgon situation. Those could only happen in TOS. The Gorgon situation, <laughs> the Andorian fight, all that stuff. You mentioned the treaty preventing species from entering another quadrant which is definitely by the way an arbitrary designation yes for the purposes of territorial expansion yeah um and i think we gotta forget about that because explain the first four seasons of deep space nine where they're like searching for a mining colony location yeah, every three they're weeks. trying to put colonies on every planet uh -huh. they find yeah that, but that's not territorial expansion that's uh they're gonna call that science probably oh i see say. we're just exploring with our colonies um delta flyer yeah, that definitely Voy sounded like one of those uh um one of those treaties that's just like a feel-good thing where everyone goes, aren't we nice? We did it, guys. We all got uh -huh. together and agreed to make a statement. This is a statement we made. It's not binding in any way. Uh, 
uh, Delta Flyer to Voyager, two to beam out, and I guess one more to beam back in to bring the shuttle home. <laughs> Maybe Tom <laughs> Paris. I don't actually. She care. didn't even think about it. She was yeah. back in her quarters later and was like, "Oh shit, what happened to the Delta Flyer?" And Tuvok's like, "Don't worry about it. I we care of it. We brought it in." Yeah. Um, and then oh fuck me, another very bad teaser image for next week. Yeah. I I'm sure you. I thought you wanted to know a lot more about uh, Barclay's special relationship with the crew of the USS Voyager. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I give best actor to uh, Jerry Ryan. Someone has just some awful speeches to get through this week. Uh-huh. And worst actor to uh, Harry Kim just blankly staring Chakotay and Bellana down as they hustle him out of engineering. <laughs> this next fucking stop should have been Janeway. Okay, someday I'll go back and I'll record the results of all of those best and worst actors, and we will find out definitively that that Garrett Wong has earned the most worst actors. I don't know, man. I'm sure T-Pool gets a bunch. and Yeah, but Voyager goes nice, on for so long. Nice boy Mayweather, etc. Yeah, no, those two were definitely the pits. Although yeah. Archer got it a lot in it. Oh, you know, what am I saying? I do one for every single show, not just week by week. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm just saying, Harry Kim gets it a lot, and they do a lot of Voyagers. Maybe Spiner. Spiner gets a lot, too. He does, yeah. <clears throat> well, we're uh, two hours in, and we have one more to discuss. We're doing good. Uh, the winner last week was Deep Space Nine. This week, we watched Favor the Bowl. The Defiant plays Possum, and uh, with the help of the Rataran, they blow up some Jem'Hadar attack ships. Captain Dax gives the all-clear, uh, then Worf calls, for Little League reasons. And uh, they get the order to fall back to Starbase 375 again. At the Starbase, Dax lays into Sisko about being a sniveling little wuss boy. But Cisco says he's got a big meeting tomorrow to present his plan to take back DS9. Credits. I want to call this a plot for now. We'll see what happens. You got fooled last week, but yep. Uh, Garrick is sure that when Starfleet debriefed him, they like put a spy device in his head. Uh, you got fooled again this week. Read his thoughts. <laughs> Cisco presents his plan to some admirals. Like 20 minutes have passed in real time in the show. Uh, they're worried about uh, little old Earth being unprotected when Cisco amasses his fleet to take back his weird new space home. Um, Starfleet approves the plan, but now they need to persuade Gowron to lend forces as well. So Martok and Worf head back to Klingon Homeworld to get it done. You know what? This is officially the B plot again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can tell because they get a message from a courier. It's Morn. See the A-plot, the real A-plot. That the uh, minefield blocking the wormhole is going to be down within three days, so the big space battle has to happen now. Without elements of the Ninth Fleet and without the Klingons. Admiral Ross uh, catches Sisko reading Bajoran prophecies. Uh, looking for clues. Uh, trying to interpret the signs. Uh-huh. You want to hear it? Seeking out there. Yes, please. Are you interpreting all the symbols? Searching your subconscious for their meaning? Yes, yes, that's what Cisco's doing. 
Uh, Sisko also reveals to Ross that Bajor is his forever home. He's gonna build a house there. He says it's home for real, even though he might not have even spent ten minutes on the planet in the last five years. Also, Nog is an ensign now. They make him uh, an he ensign. He spent hella days down there right before his brain surgery that the changeling did on him. Ah, uh, it's true that he <laughs> did live in that cavern for a while. Yeah. Uh, Nog's an ensign now. They they make him an ensign in the field, but not O'Brien. O'Brien will never get promoted. No. He specifically outranks O'Brien now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cisco takes command of Defiant once again, and the fleet moves out for its big old fight. They uh, pick up their counterparts on sensors, over 1,200 Dominion ships. Uh, that's more than twice as many ships as they got, but Cisco goes, ah, it's game time started. And uh, genuine A-plot, the real A-plot this time. <clears throat> Quark joins Kira for a promenade walk. He asks if Kira is ready. They're going to see Odo, but they're blocked at the door by a Jem'Hadar, and uh, also Odo's orders that he and the Lady Changeling, the Change Lady, are not to be disturbed. Yeah, he put a sock on the door, so... That's right. And the guy points that out. The Bajoran guy points it out. Kira and Quark almost get iced by the Jem'Hadar, but eventually move along. Uh, Anyway, inside, Odo and the Change Lady? Fucked! Not a joke. Human human style. They did human style sex with dancing and rhyming and all of that. So thanks, DS9. The change lady says Odo will soon only need the link and nothing else. And then the change lady tells him he's late for his meeting with Wayun and Dukat because it happened three days ago. Dude has been fucking for three days. He's not even aware of time passing. Yeah. That's the good shit. (laughs) I guess. It sounds like it's causing problems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The good shit always causes problems in your per- in your personal life, in your professional life. Wayun studies Zeal's paintings, but he doesn't know what to make of them. He says he won't release Rom, and if, as he's talking to Kira, and in fact, uh, he's going to execute him very soon. And then uh, Lita and Quark, they try to reassure Rom that uh, he's going to be rescued. Um... But Rom begs Quark to finish what he started and save the Alpha Quadrant. Kira bumps into Zial and tries to get her to make Dukat save Rom. Zial asks Dukat, but he's kind of shitty about it. But he's also just being kind of real. Like, I can't save the terrorist guy. Anyway, Zial turns on her dad. Uh, Quark wants to hire Nausikins to break his brother out, but Kira advises against that. Uh, Damar comes to Quark's and orders Kira to go, uh, deal with some freighter or something. I guess he's her boss now. And then he has a drink with Quark. Damar is happy to share with Quark that the minefield will be down in just one week, because their field tests were successful. Quark and Kira don't know what to do, but Jake can get a message to his dad. (laughs) Yeah, luckily Jake goes there. Because he's a reporter. Uh, He can get a message to his dad via Morn, who's traveling to see his mom or something. Yeah, his mom's birthday. Yeah, that happens a lot in in DS9. (coughs) Dukat and Wayun are chatting about the wormhole when Damar comes in and says, Starfleet's moving a a bunch of ships. And after Wayun leaves, Dukat asks Damar to go smooth talk his daughter into loving him again. He says, yeah, you, sloppy drunk. Go make my daughter like me. 
This is a reasonable request. Hey, the only other Cardassian on this uh, station with a name. Go, uh, <laughs> go talk to my dog. Go, go make. Don't go make me make send one of those dogs uh, Damar finds Zial and Kira chatting. Damar gets lippy, and Kira whips his ass. Just whips his ass. Like yeah, she beats him up real bad. Like a thing that's a reasonable response. And uh, Dukat and Wayun figure out Cisco's coming to stop them from opening the wormhole. And as they're planning their response, Damar comes in all busted up, and he wants to arrest Kira. But Dukat seems to sense that it was Damar's fault. <laughs> Which whatever happened there. <laughs> That's Damar's fault. This tree's not interested at all in finding out what happened. No. Odo and the the change lady are chatting on the promenade. She says some stuff about breaking the solids of their love of freedom and (laughs) what must be done will be done. And Odo doesn't love it, but no, he's all goo whipped and pathetic now. So Um, anyway, he catches up with Kira and makes a very weak apology. And uh, that's the end of that plot. boy hey what was this one about yeah um i listened to your advice last week Mm. i'm not gonna try to tie the b plot in at all okay i'm really just focusing on one aspect of the a plot this week and that is um odo he begins to realize this week that he cannot be above or beyond or outside of this war when, as you said, the founder begins to reveal that her ultimate design for the solids is something like slaves or property. Right. Some lesser classification of people. So I'm going to say that the take here is ultimately the same as that dead Vedic tried to explain to Kira a few weeks ago. <laughs> you cannot remain neutral in the face of evil. But um, that was the take that week, too. So how much can I reward them for this replay? I'm, I'm giving it a four. Yeah. I mean, and then the week after that, she was like, oh, a new dress. <laughs> Oh, and then she's like, no, damn it, it happened again. God damn it. No. <laughs> so they've been doing this one uh, every week, really. I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's it's kind of the what the story is here on the occupied station, right? Yeah. Um. Well, uh, I don't know. This felt like another one where a lot of stuff happened and they weren't too concerned about any particular moral or lesson. So I had the same take as I had last week, that sometimes it's those personal struggles that drive history, or whatever I said last week. Mm. There's a five for you last week. Yeah, kind of in a holding pattern here, as we were just talking about. They're not really... um... You'd think think they'd be moving the story along, but then, like, giving you some, maybe some some different perspectives and takes every week, but they're kind of just giving you the same thing. Uh, Yeah, I still gave it a five. <clears throat> well, they were trying to figure out how to do serialized storytelling, huh? Yeah. Uh, execution. Yeah. Slightly less compelling than previous episodes with this same setup. Uh, I'm guessing because this was basically a part one. I know this is all like part of the same six-week run or whatever. But yeah, this but really... this is the one that ends to be continued. Yeah, this one felt like a part one the whole time. Like they were just setting shit up. So maybe next week we'll get all the, the good stuff. Um, but you know, we have lots more examples for the take, right? Cisco's stake in this fucking DS9 plan is extremely personal. He says as much to Ross. The Odo change lady. <laughs> Weird that stuff. it's not about getting Jake back, though, huh? <clears throat> Does not care, and I don't blame him, man. 
That kid sucks. Like, I'm going to live on, I'm going to build a home on Bajor. Jake can live with his grandfather. I don't care. <laughs> he can live with his grandfather or in the fucking gutter. It doesn't matter to me. Go to New Zealand like he's always talking about. Hope he fucking loves it there. Yeah. Enjoy the sheep, idiot. Um, <laughs> the Odo change lady stuff is personal for, for Odo, but it also seems personal for her. She fucking hates these solids, man. Um, I mean, she straight up tells Wayun 5 <laughs> that, uh, yeah, she says it's getting Odo back is yeah. is more important to the changelings than winning the whole war. So, yep, Demar's really going through it. It affects everything he does, man. That guy's a mess. Yeah, Ducat's ego is driving him as always. He wants his great moment of victory to be perfect with his family there or whatever. Anyway, it's just less clearly about all that stuff this week. I nearly no taked it because I was just having trouble finding anything but plot. But it's like you said this week. All of the plots get advanced. But by the way, not much. No. It really is just like they're promising you that next week is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a three. Okay. I liked it one better than that. Um, It's a lot of character work this week. But it's a lot of the same character work as last week. Yeah. And the plot moves a couple of squares forward on the board. This is the episode in this six-part arc that you could skip the easiest, I think. Yeah, that, that's and right. if they have a recap at the beginning of next week's, I, you could skip this one entirely, probably. <laughs> yeah, then the recommendation is to skip it. Yeah, because it's mainly people committing to positions they already were leaning towards. Yeah. Like, Rom is willing to die to preserve the Alpha Quadrant. Quark said he was in on the Resistance last week. Now he's finally being asked to do something. Cisco's bringing the fleet to Deep Space Nine. The minefield is finally coming down. Yeah. I did not love Lita in this one. No, not great. I did not love the post-coital changeling talk. Dev is disturbing. They both um, looked like they knew what they did. Yes. <laughs> they looked like two scolded dogs. Yeah, it's true. Um, and like I said, this one it's kind of ends up being not essential. It wasn't terrible, but, you know, for me it was a four, which is the lowest this week. I gave Voyager a five. That's true. Uh... In terms of world building, the founders are timeless. The sure. Vorta have no sense of aesthetics. They have bad eyesight, but they have good hearing. At least one founder thinks Odo is more important than the war. Um, Starfleet has hundreds of ships committed to this. Yeah, man. Where did they come from? That's Why are always there? the I mean, question. I guess they've had, A, three years of Dominion tensions, and B... A year of war? Six months of war? Yeah. To build up? To pull in ships that are on far-flung diplomatic missions or whatever? But, um... Damn, it's so many ships. It's just such a huge fleet compared to every other... The crews must be weird. Like, they must not be the same makeup as the fleet used to be. It must be, like, so many... Are they... Cons are they? Is there a draft? Are they, cons are they conscripting people? Because how are they finding all the yet. people to fucking yeah. staff these ships? <laughs> I mean, the Nog has got a battlefield commission. Presumably, yep. he's not the only one. Yep. There are probably lots of, uh, you know, I'm sure Christopher Hobson has a ship now. And oh, that guy sucks. Yeah. Shelby's probably running a whole armada. Yeah. You know. Well, she's better than Riker. Well, that's one, one old admiral's fantasy slash opinions. <laughs> Just an old man's fantasy. Uh, I have got the, uh, the standard three. Like, I don't think 
the big stuff is really starting to happen. There's no cracks in the Dominion Cardassian Alliance really this week. We know Demar's kind of against it, but yeah, he has no power. Uh, so yeah, three for me for world building. Yep, I agree. Uh, Klingon and Federation ships just fucking intermingle uh, in fleet action and stuff. Like you have combined fleets of Klingon and Federation ships. We see a very integrated Jem'Hadar and Cardassian fleet in the end of this episode, too. Um, Cisco's big plan thins out defenses near Earth. Uh, like he said, the Vorta don't know what art is good. Join the club, man. Um, oh, no, I fucking get it. They uh, can't sing either. They also can't see well, but they got great hearing. But the Jem'Hadar have got great vision, so we learn lots of stuff like that. Um <clears throat> More Nausicaan mercenaries. I guess that's their people's entire deal or whatever. (laughs) I wonder if there's anybody who wonders if that's sustainable. And if maybe they should move some of their mercenary (laughs) activities to the holodeck. There's the one guy, the one erudite Nausicaan who wants to change the society. And the rest of them are like, fuck you. As we know, just as in the Klingon society, Nausicaan society has regressed some. Clearly. Because that guy they meet in Enterprise seems pretty with it. Yeah. And then by the, by the time it's fucking TNG, they're just like, Human Blade Dom John. Uh, and then obviously the setup for this big space battle. <clears throat> so yeah, just a three for me. And finally, characterization. Uh, Dax is buds with Cisco, so she feels okay about ripping into him back at Starbase 375. O'Brien's talking shit on the bridge again, as always. Guy never shuts up. Garrick doesn't trust Starfleet intelligence. Wayun seems a little bit wistful about the artsy things he can't do. Yeah. Seems slightly down about the whole thing. Quark has turned a fucking full human in this one. He's just gonna, like, muscle up on the Jem'Hadar in the beginning. And then, like... He's going to do whatever it takes to save his brother. So he's moved pretty far. Uh, Rom, also ready to die for the cause this week. Dukat is nuts and thinks it's a good idea to ask fucking sloppy-ass Damar to talk to his daughter for him. That guy can't do anything right. He's drunk all the time. Presumably he doesn't know that... Uh, Damar is fucking giving away secrets for free down at Quark's bar. <laughs> Dude, how does he not know? That a huge bar but fight like, happened. They had to cover so many yeah, bodies. He knows He knows at least that that report. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, I wouldn't trust that guy to do a fucking thing for me. Uh, Odo is m- mildly put out by the evil shit the change lady's saying. He's like, she's, she's like, fascism's pretty great. And he's like, oh, dang, are you sure? <laughs> Maybe we can just leave everyone alone. No? Oh, no. Okay, I get it. Yeah. No, I get it. He's just such a squid. Yeah. And the change lady tells Wayun that bringing Odo back into the fold means more than the entire Alpha Quadrant to her. In characterization, I mean, Odo's the real problem here. Uh, Lots of other people are on journeys, and that's fine, but he is just like, uh, how are we supposed to give a shit about Odo anymore? just like got some of that link business and now he's don't worry I give it a four I have it one higher let's see what uh let's see what my thoughts are on this 
I'm not sure I understand what was going on with that Garrick scene. Is he supposed to be paranoid, or is he supposed to be revealing that the rest of the crew have placed too much faith in Federation values? Or is this just here for very minor plot reasons and we'll figure it out next week? Yeah. I well, just found the whole just thing. Little League. Who knows? Like, it, usually when Garrick shows up, you're happy, but I was pretty unsatisfied with this one. Yeah. Uh, Ducat's need to be loved is really coming to the fore. Yes. Like, it's always been a part of his personality. Like, he has always wanted the Bajorans to remember him fondly for some reason. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but he needs Kira or Zial or somebody who can act as a proxy for Bajor to accept him, and it's distracting him from the war at this point. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, uh, Damar is very sloppy. He still thinks the Dominion is disrespectful. He still hates Kira. Well, he's Kira more than ever after this week. Yeah, she fucking... She fucking, she did a real assault. Yeah, this was a proper assault. Uh, Cisco reveals, if not for the first time, definitely the strongest expression yet. How much Bajor has come to be his home. Yeah, and to some extent, I mean, you see him reading the old prophecies. How much he has accepted his role as the emissary. Mm-hmm. Since he won the Hell in a Cell match against the other emissary. Yep. <laughs> Sent that guy into nothingness. Um, and Odo's starting to realize how lost he's become, but like you said, he's got a lot of uh, redeeming to do. The def- whole Defiant crew is on Little League duty this week, but everything else I thought was more or less down the middle, so I gave it a five. Okay. Uh, quick hitters. Yeah, explain why, as part of this ruse that they're running at the beginning, Dax has to ask for weapon status in this way and have mm. O'Brien tell her the whole system's offline. Man, you know why? So for 10 seconds, we can be confused about what's happening. <laughs> yes, it really didn't feel like she was just checking to see whether their decoy plan was working. It really felt, uh, it was really just to fool us. So yeah. that's dumb. Uh... Odo's nasty girlfriend made him do it to her solid style, Ugh. and then she's like, you're mad that Kira won't let you do that? <laughs> it's true, man. They both hated it. Why did they do it? Yeah. No one made him do that. She did it to shame him. She you was like, no, do sex you... if it's going to make you so sad. No, I want to see what you think is so great. Let's do it. It's like she made him smoke a whole carton of cigarettes, basically. <laughs> How did he... Um... How did he stay ardent? It seems like they hated it. Oh, well, he's a changeling. He can just stay ardent. Oh, that's right. He's not a human anymore. Yeah, he's a changeling. Exactly. Again. Yeah, he just made that thing. You just keep up pushing more, more gold to that zone. <laughs> um, <laughs> a that's big... definitely how I'm going to refer to it the next time. I'm going to <laughs> a, a Look at how much effort. gold I pushed to that zone. <laughs> give me, uh, give me another hundred cc's of gold. <laughs> Uh, big F minus to whoever wrote that Lita should whine like a puppy. <coughs> I have one of my quick hitters is I hate that Lita puppy dog whine. So yeah. yes. Uh, hey, even when this show was made, the stylus for a Wacom drawing tablet was less bulky and awful than this thing Zial is holding in the fucking twenty fourth century. But she's so good at the art with it. Oh, I get it. She's good at it. But like, come on, man. Yep. No, they never have a good idea about stuff like that. Just glue five circuit boards to a mechanical pencil. Come on. <laughs> That's because it's going to have so many features. Like that desk in San Francisco that had everything. Yes. Um, 
just no reflection at all on the fact that Nog now outranks O'Brien. Like, the relationship between senior enlisted men and junior officers is a really complex one, and but they don't even hint at it here. It's complex in, like, a Korean kind of way, even. Sure. There's a lot going on there. Uh, I saw at least four Galaxy-class ships in this fleet, and I wondered if they were all full of little kids in their various Marissas. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, if they're being smart, that's full of, like, 50 dudes each. You know, well, it should be, right? Computer's that's gonna how many people shit. it takes to run the fucking thing. Yeah, a computer can handle it. Don't they put don't got no, They don't need no science labs. They don't need the whales. They can put the whales back in the ocean for a minute. Yeah, especially next week when you see how easy those things go down. Like, you don't want to put anybody on those. Yeah, well, don't anyway. I sure <laughs> did imagine there's a bunch of different colored Marissas up there. <laughs> All about to beef it in space. Man, being Marissa's tough in the 24th century. It is. Um, I thought my favorite work uh, in this one was the founder when she was correcting Wayun about Odo when he was like, yeah. "Good work turning Odo," and she uh, she went real cold on him. Went, what the fuck did you say to me? Yeah, so I gave her best actor, worst actor, obviously going to be Lita whining like a sad puppy. It's just so terrible to see. It's not great. They'd never done good things with her. Just to like, be fair, this is my consistent. husband's going to be executed. <sighs> fuck. Yeah, they've never done a good thing with her. Um, <clears throat> okay. Wayun calls Rama terrorist, but, like, that's some Patriot Act era shit, right? Yes. He's definitely a saboteur, but, like, I don't know, terrorist seems like the incorrect term there. Yeah, for sure. He, like, uh... He's not trying to advance a political agenda by striking yeah. fear into the heart of people. He's trying to sabotage a station function. He literally was doing a very specific s- sabotage of that system yeah. that was not meant to, like, uh, I don't know, blow up a Cardassian family or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the only other note I had was that Lita, that Lita wine that sucks ass so bad. So Yeah, it was terrible. Terrible that they did that. All right, at least that one went quick. That one did go quick. I Actually, I think the entire discussion was under 25 minutes, and I think I spent more than 25 minutes describing Realm of Fear. <laughs> so, you know. Well, okay. Well, now we have a model of how we should approach these. We need to do, we need to do all of them like Favor the Bolt. Yeah. Just get in and out. Uh, well, you can describe all of them. I think that's the major time difference. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, the scores are in. All right. So, week 127, last place with 23 points, the Voyager Conspiracy. Yeah, I didn't That's I actually didn't think much five it. points better than the average losing episode. So, all told, this ends up being not a terrible week. Yeah. Uh, with 31 points in second place, favor the bold. Again, that's right about an average episode, so. It got nine whole characterization points. Yeah, it's actually two full points better than an average, where the average sits now. Uh, but the winner this week, yeah, uh, who would have believed it? Yeah, <laughs> is Realm of Fear the transporter worm episode? Yeah, I definitely would have assumed going into the DS Nine episode was going to win based on the but, arc they're on and the fact that I remember it's a Barkley episode we're talking about. Yeah, but unfortunately, it just ended up being about nothing. Yeah. Yep. So that puts the next generation back to seven up over Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, go back in, they're gonna. This is gonna be a a tight finish between these yeah, two. Yeah, we passed it, but Voyager's mathematically eliminated. Yeah, it's over a matter winning. of time. They have four wins in 127 weeks. 
Not oh, good. shit. Are they, their last week is 168, so they're still 40. Yeah, 41, <laughs> but they need to get uh, 48. Eight. So, yeah. Yeah, they're done. They're out. They're eliminated. Um, But if they get. Hey, maybe they'll get six more wins and they'll. <laughs> to go over they'll Enterprise's number in a much smaller amount of episodes. Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's rough. It's rough for Voyager, even when they. Even when they put up a watchable episode, they don't win. So, well, tough. they're not good writers. Yeah, I don't for, know what else to say. For next uh, next week in this project, week one hundred twenty eight. Okay, we will be watching Man of the People. There's no way that wins next week, right? It can't be. Well, uh, it seems really unlikely to me. Uh, <laughs> for Deep Space Nine, the contender is Sacrifice of Angels. That's the end of this six part arc. Yeah, you know, at this point. You know, I, I, last week I would have said, no, let's keep this thing going, but I, I'm, I think I'm ready, ready yeah. for it to end now. Ready to wrap up this little... It's not the end of the Dominion War, but it's the end of this arc, yeah. and back to silly stuff. Unfortunately, I was looking ahead and I was going, really? <laughs> Wait, really? This yeah. is what we're doing? And you are going to get to describe a Voyager <laughs> episode featuring the character Reginald Barkley, Pathfinder. Yeah. That's. I mean, I'm not excited about that for sure. But I'm never excited to do Voyager. I can't wait for you to do Fairhaven, though. That's going to be great. Honestly, it does look really good for Sacrifice of Angels if they do <laughs> even a half-decent job of wrapping this up and they've got against Man the Here's the thing, though. Barkley Voyager. Here's the thing. Will it be about anything? That's a good question. Is it just going to be 40, episodes of explo- 40 uh, minutes of explosions? Or is it going to be about something? If it's about something, then it's got a really good shot. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of true of all of them. As you can yes. see by the take scores, never being good. It's Just been a while never since good. Really good huh? I mean, I'm looking. When was the last time we had last double digit take Even score a was 10 was in the cards. It was, if it was week 121, it got exactly 10 points. That's yeah. a f- six and a four. That's not good. A 12 for the first duty, an episode that was about something. We both said, this is about something. The last really good one was a 16 for The Outcast, an episode that was about being gay, but accidentally also works about being trans. (laughs) That's right, it got extra bonus points for being about two things. Yeah, so it ended up being about two things. That was the last big take. Most of the premise scores suck. I mean, most of the scores across the board suck, but like, you know, if you're not even going to be about anything, how are you going to win the week? So yeah, that's... Uh, in week 101, all three episodes got double-digit takes. Ooh, that was a good week. Yeah. Oh, it was a Darmok week. It was Darmok week. Yeah. All, all right. right. <laughs> um, you can master Rome, the, you can master Ro- Ro- Romas, Severum. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. At Brother Date on Twitter. Jesus. Uh mailbag was pretty bad this week it's not your fault ryan <laughs> no it's you everyone else's fault um so toot at us yerk or anyone else uh on the mastodons that's uh brother date at brother date brother at brother date at 10 forward dot social 10 forward dot social send us the email been a long time since somebody sent us any good emails. Uh, that's brothers of brotherdate.com. Uh, brotherdate.com, you can go to check out all of the, uh, the fucking brackets and spreadsheets, uh, get the episodes, and f- uh, money. <laughs> money, please. 
you can get, <laughs> you, you can get money from the from the website. So I don't think give that's that true. Well, those maybe someone will maybe someone will believe this. I mean, it's very it. true. Yeah, um, if you're from a country where we have no listeners, like Argentina, yes. Chile, Bolivia. Peru. Oh, I would promise someone from Chile anything. If you're what from Kazakhstan or Mongolia, there's no laws there, right? I mean, I don't know any. I can just like, if you're from Chile and you come to the website, you get ten million dollars. All right. Hey, no one's got ten million dollars to give you. Don't listen to him. I don't want to have to even talk about this in court. They're gonna say it was obvious that it wasn't true. It's just gonna be a waste of everyone's time. That's right. Don't waste our time like that. Waste your time. Go to brotherdate.com. Um, as you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. As you, as believe, you believe, so, so shall, shall you do. do. Gorgon's your name! I know that! That's right, he's not a human anymore. Yeah, he's a chain exactly. Man. Yeah, he just made that thing. You just keep pushing more, more gold to that zone. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's big... definitely how I'm going to refer to it the next time I'm going to <laughs> Subscribe.